0: Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on
2: Friday. Everybody Good morning everyone! Happy Friday and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN, Carrie Davis. Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker. it's great to have you with us. It's 7 o'clock, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, so we get here early and we spend maybe two minutes of show prep because we put the, <laughs> prep show, together. We put the show together after the previous day's show. Kerry Davis, what's the last thing you said before we played It's Friday, It's Friday? What would you say to Matthew what Rocchio? What I
3: told him was if Rudy Gobert played in the 90s, if Rudy, Rudy Gobert grew up in the 90s, he might be one of those seven feet guys that are just walking around town, and when You ask him who do you play for? I I, I don't don't play. I I don't don't play basketball. Because if Alonzo Mourning (laughs) elbowed Rudy Gobert in the chest, that would be his first and last day playing basketball. (laughs) That's what I (laughs) said. (laughs)
2: It's a beautiful thing here in uh, in the studios of 101 ESPN. Unbelievable. Here's what we got coming up for you today. We're going to talk to Jay Delsing at the bottom of the hour. Our buddy Joe Vitale will join us at 8.15. We're going to find out how his run goes this morning. He's probably on the road running as we speak and maybe listening to us on his earbuds. But Joey's always uh, intriguing and compelling and don't even have to talk to him about hockey. And then Robert Thomas will join us as at nine, o- 9 o'clock. The Blues will take on the big rig tomorrow night. The Tampa Bay Lightning are in town, and three-time Stanley Cup champion uh, Pat Maroon will be here. It's always good to have the St. Louis back in town who really, he, he rides and dies with St. Louis. I was watching
3: the, the Car Shield commercial yesterday, and he was on there with Ryan O'Reilly. He is a, he is a pretty big man. He's a big rig. He <laughs> might want to get out of his... I mean you got to stand in his way but you you might want to get out of the way if he's got a full head of steam. He's the guy you want. That's he, what I need, Randy. Yeah. yeah. I need I need one of those guys that is that that pushes people after the play,
2: shoves people, just give them a little, just, I'm here, I'm bigger than you, and stop it. And you know what's amazing, C.D., is you used to be able to get a guy like that at the deadline every single year. They Brilliant. were roaming the earth. It was kind of like dinosaurs. <laughs> and now there's only like one or two left.
3: Not a lot left in the no, league. they, they no. become extinct. Yeah, you can't find kind them. Like, kind of like fullbacks in the NFL.
2: Yeah,
4: right. Exactly. You well, you see this comment in Connor McDavid hit the league, and well...
2: Yeah, it's been the same since. No, it really hasn't. Blues fall to the Flames last night by a score of 4-1, to one, and it was a scoreless game for a long time. As a matter of fact, until late in the second period, it was a nil-nil game, but Walker Dewar scored his first in the NHL at the 15-24 mark of the second period to give Calgary a 1-0 lead heading into the third, but in the first minute of the third period, the Blues were able to tie it. They know they can come back on the Flames. They did it two nights ago. Can they do it again here tonight?
0: Barbashev into the slot. Achari to Neighbors! He scores! The answer, yes, they can. 1-1, one, one the score, 20 seconds in.
2: And Kerry, you and I are both thinking at that time. Okay, here's an energy boost yeah. for the
3: Blues. Yeah, I, we thought that that would be the thing that you know, early in the period, get them going and, and get it, uh, get it going in the right direction. And, and as I said earlier, they seem to be the Blues. It's just people hang out in front of their net too much for me, and that that would be a big rig type of guy. Yeah. You need to move people out of the way. That that, that generally helps from people hanging around and lingering around
2: in front of the net. It stayed one-one until the ten-fifty mark. Slowed down by the stick of Pareko. He didn't have a shooting lane, and it goes to Mikula, then to Thomas in the far corner. Clearing attempt blocked. They give it up and score. Thomas tried to pass it to the middle.
4: They give it up on the turnover, and the Flames burn the Blues on that one.
2: They regain the 2-1 lead. That will get you fishing the puck out of your own net when you turn it over like our buddy did.
3: Yeah, you can't have those turnovers, have those mistakes. Um, you know, it, it's unfortunate because it's obviously not something you're trying to do, but it, it costs you a goal
2: in that moment, and now you're down in the game. So Blake Coleman scores at the 16:04 mark. The Blues pull the goalie. Doobie scores an empty netter, and 4-1 is the final. Craig Berube. What went wrong in that third? Got to make the right play.
5: Put it on the walls. Can't throw it up the middle like that under pressure. Just two bad puck plays, and they capitalized on them. You know, we're right in the game.
2: You know what's interesting is when you go back, I, I always talk about Bob Plager and simplifying the game, and that's one of the things he says. He says, When you're in a tie game or you're late in the game, pass the puck to the middle of the ice. Just chip it off the boards boards. and get it out of your zone.
3: Yeah, those are, are simple things. Sometimes, you know, it's like a quarterback thinking he can make that throw, you know, late, over the middle doesn't see the safety and the safety comes in and intercepts it it's kind of one of those things you, you're taught not to throw the ball late over the middle but at times you feel like you can make the play or make that pass and it gets picked off and, and, and in this case and unfortunately it ended up with
2: a goal in the back of your net especially Robert Thomas right? Yeah. with his yeah. abilities yep. he, there's no doubt that uh, he, he thinks and he should think that yeah. he can make a play like that but sometimes you just have to let discretion be the better part of valor and live to play another day the Blues didn't last night and they lose by a score of 4-1. to one. And as we mentioned, the Lightning in town tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. One other note from last night in hockey. Kerry, it was January 12th. The Boston Bruins lost their first regulation home game of the season that's, last night. That's crazy. The, the, <laughs> they,
3: are, they are rolling and clearly not, uh, not having much, much trouble this season. Your first regulation home loss yeah of the season how many games have we played how many they're 19-1 and 3 now at home they they played 40 plus games yeah more than half the season <laughs> that, that is they seem to be rolling and, and and if you are uh the Boston Bruins obviously you're headed for home ice advantage you're going to have you know the the home
2: games in your arena for the playoffs mm-hmm. that's that's going to bode well for you yeah they're 13-4 and 1 away from home great job by uh, the former blues assistant Jim Montgomery the head coach of the Bruins by the way after making the playoffs for a league record 26 years in a row they missed and since then they have missed the playoffs one two three four five seven times in the last 51 years the Boston Bruins have made the playoffs 44 times how many championships do they have in that time time frame they have 3 they won in 1969 70 1971 72 didn't win again until 2010 2011 so they have 3 in those 51 seasons I think boston bruins fans are upset every day they're now <laughs> they are or are yeah no they are but yeah. the, they probably don't like that. Right? Yeah. They probably don't like the Bruins because they say, well, when's the last time they won? 2011? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. way too long. Yeah. So they can be 19-1-3 at home, right. and they'll be one to fire the GM and the coach. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. It's, I
3: just, it's just
2: funny that it's, it's, every, it's all sports fans. We're all, we're all a little bit crazy. Kerry, yeah. Yeah. there was a, a billboard us. when the Blues were playing the Stanley Cup Finals in Boston, and the Patriots had won the Super Bowl, and the billboard was updated every day. It said 109 days since New England's last... Sports World Championship, really? <laughs> and now that the, the last one they had was that right. Super, well, right. Super Bowl. Super win, yeah.
4: I have to wonder right now, if you're a radio host in Bo- in Boston, what what is your hierarchy of Patriots missing the playoffs for the first time in a while, Bruins being really good, Celtics being really good, and some up and down moves by the Red Sox. They don't is like the being Patriots. Good. Is the Patriots being bad the number one thing right
2: now in Boston? Patriots now are always the number one thing, and the That's, Red Sox are too.
3: I think I think Boston. <laughs> so I think the Celtics would be number one. The two good things are three and four. Yeah. I think Celtics would be number one right now. The way, so. Especially the way, especially after going to the uh, championship last year. No, they like bad. They like they, they, <laughs> they, like they, they, they like assault. The yeah, Greg said it yesterday. Yeah.
4: People, people yeah. who there's you know New York fans, and I think the Boston fans. We can throw it in there too. They <laughs> like it being
2: unhappy more than they actually do when they're winning. Because then what what can they complain yep. about? And I guarantee you, this morning. On Boston Talk Radio They're talking about the Patriots Making an announcement last night Turning out a release that said We're in the process of negotiating Negotiating an extension With our linebackers coach Jared Mayo And we're starting the process Of hiring a new offensive coordinator There isn't a group of fans in the NFL 32 teams in the NFL there's not one fan base that likes their offensive coordinator. Right? It's just like a hitting coach. Not one. And, and, and in turn, is like the opposite of the backup quarterback. Everyone loves the backup
3: yeah, quarterback. Exactly right.
2: <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson has been ruled out for tomorrow or Sunday's wildcard game against the Bengals. CDI had really dire suspicions of lamar jackson and the reality of that injury but it did deep dive last night and that injury is real he's like still limping around the room i think what's happened is they aren't telling us how severe it is yeah they're saying it's a sprained pcl i think it's more severe than that. so
3: the the pcl i think is more uh um it takes a little longer the mcl is not as bad if it's a sprained mcl and i can't tell you what the the ECLs and the, and the cruciate. Cruci- collateral ligament. Collateral ligament. Uh, so those. No, ACL is anterior cruciate. Cruciate, cruciate li- yeah. ligament. So, the, I, I, but I do know, I think the PCL is the post cruciate lim- uh, ligament, and that's in the back. So that is one of the. That one and the ACL are, are generally take longer to heal from an MCL because I've had a lot of injuries in my life (laughs) generally takes you a little bit less time to to come back from so I think he is being honest and and being he doesn't he's not the type of guy to shy away from competition to run away from a fight he's he's one of those guys that wants to play no matter what and uh, I'm sure it's killing him that he's not able to be out there and helping his team in this playoff run and Tyler
2: Hundley who will get the start said that Lamar has been extraordinarily helpful, that he's been a a great resource for Huntley as he tries to figure out how to win NFL games. He's got to
3: figure something out. If they they got to go to uh, Cincinnati this weekend, Mm -hmm. I don't think they have a chance. I I thought they may have had a chance with Lamar. I think it's going to be very tough for them to win that game without him, uh,
2: and we probably see the Bengals going on to the second round. And one one other NFL note, Atlanta would host a neutral site Bills Chiefs AFC Championship game down at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I wouldn't think that uh, Atlanta's a good place to fly into. Yeah. So if well, you're, uh, yeah, if I mean in terms of just getting there, okay, yeah. some places are hard to get <laughs> right. to, but any because they're such a, the Delta hub. Yeah, if you're in Buffalo, yeah. if you're in KC, no trouble flying yeah. there. You, you, it's not
3: an issue. Uh, Atlanta traffic is is a mess. So if you're yeah. going in town for that game,
2: <laughs> leave couple hours earlier than you thought you should. Maybe an hour yeah. for sure. And then, uh, Kerry, I know sad news for you last night. Luka Doncic hitting a three-pointer at the end of regulation, then another one in the first <laughs> overtime, and the Lakers <clears throat> lose to the Mavs 119-115 in double overtime. i just broken up that the Lakers stink. Uh, no, not, actually, no, I'm good. I'm glad. <laughs> there you have it. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Carrie and Randy, this is NFL Wild Card Weekend. We'll have a preview for you and to tell you what we think is going to happen in tomorrow's most compelling games of the weekend here on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101
1: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: We've got Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. Two games tomorrow. Seattle is at San Francisco, and the Chargers are at Jacksonville. Then on Sunday, we'll have all three games here on 101 ESPN. At noon, Dolphins at Bills at 3.30. The Giants will visit Minnesota, and uh, then on Sunday night, the Ravens at the Bengals. Monday night, football. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will host How About Them Cowboys. CD, first game tomorrow, Mm 3.30, St. Louis time. Seattle at San Francisco. I want you to tell me what this means the 49 this uh, reported by our friend nick wagner at espn.com the 49ers offensive line regularly invites quarterback brock purdy to their semi-regular poker games what does that tell you oh, they love him <laughs> they they love him I, I mean i don't know if jimmy g was getting a
3: similar invite um but anytime the linemen the linemen are are Really, an entity of their own. They, they, they. You know, they're not a clique because they, they love everyone. If you spend time, linemen, offensive linemen are some of the best people in the world, and and mm-hmm. they're big. Mm-hmm. You know, most times people think they're mean and rude, but they are generally some of the smartest, best, most compassionate people you can come come again come across. And so, if they're inviting him to their uh, uh, weekly poker night, or, or it's, mm-hmm. uh, they are they are letting you know that we love this guy and he's he's a part of us he's one, one of, us. of us and we're going to make sure we protect him at all costs and if you are the San Francisco if you're the Seattle Seattle Seahawks I think it's going to be a tough task for you to go into
2: San Francisco and win that game. CD, I didn't realize this. This is another tweet from Nick. And by the way, the Niners are favored by 10 in this game Mm. at home. But Nick Wagner points out that of the 23 projected starters at the beginning of the season, including third quarter cornerback or third linebacker slash nickelback, so 23, the Niners will have 21 available against the Seahawks. Only cornerback Emmanuel Mosley out for the year with an ACL and quarterback Trey Lance are unavailable. So for all of our talk about how talented the 49ers are and all the good players they have... Almost all of them are available tomorrow.
3: They've stayed healthy. They've been banged up here and there throughout the mm-hmm. entire season, but uh, you know, Debo missed some time. Obviously, Jimmy G is is out. They they've had some injuries, but they are are healthy at the right time. And now they have a young quarterback who they trust with the football, who they think I think Mark Mike March told us yesterday that um, Kyle Shanahan said he trusted this third string quarterback more than than <laughs> than he than he would lead others to believe. Mm-hmm. And he goes out there and has a has a spectacular. Uh, uh, done a spectacular job so far, so I, I think that the Seattle Seahawks are going to struggle in this game, especially with the defense. They're gonna they're gonna find ways to to attack Geno and, and make it difficult for him. The only chance that Seattle has, I think, is showing something to Brock Purdy that he has not seen, because you don't know what you don't know, right? You mm-hmm. you're a rookie, you're in, you're starting in your first playoff game of your career, and so now you're in a position where this team has been. Studying the entire week, preparing, trying to figure out, and they have multiple games to dissect as to how to figure out how to attack you. So, Seattle may show something that Brock has not seen, but, you know, Brock only has to turn around and hand the ball off to, to Christian McCaffrey and let those big boys up front
2: block for him, and it'll make life easier. And, and, CD, I was thinking the same thing for Seattle. If they could run the ball, Kenneth Walker, the mm-hmm. third, can run it, but against that defense, can they run enough over the course of four quarters to keep? the 49er offense off the field. I think that's going to be the key because Purdy has all these weapons. And as you mentioned, they can run the ball too. If they want to hang on to the ball and keep it away from Seattle, they could. I just am trying to find a way that Seattle could hang on to the football long enough so that San Francisco can't score well they the the
3: San Francisco 49ers are second in the league in uh yards rushing yards allowed at 77 per game and and that's going to be that's going be 30 40 carries to try to get that 77 yards yeah. and will Seattle be willing to commit to the run that long if they're down and, and that's what is all that's what it's all going to boil down to this is going to be a defensive matchup both defenses are going to show you know how 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 well they play and if Seattle can
2: stop Brock Purdy it'll give them a chance in this game, and by the way, Kenneth Walker the third, the Seattle running back, was limited in practice yesterday. So was Noah Fant, the tight end. Tyler Lockett was limited in practice yesterday. So they are dealing with a few injury yeah. issues. I could easily see San Francisco covering this ten points.
3: Yeah, and like I at home game, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a live crowd at Levi Stadium. They're gonna be rocking and rolling. So it's gonna be.
2: Uh, a special experience for Brock Purdy in his first NFL playoff start. We had Joe Buck on the show the other day, and he said one of the young teams to watch out for is Jacksonville. And he had Jacksonville on Saturday night as they knocked off Tennessee. And the Jags have a lot going for them. They've got a really good young pass rush. Trayvon Walker has been better than I thought, but it's keyed by Josh Allen. And then up front, their offensive line has played better. They're getting really good work out of Travis Etienne. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but in the last 10 games... You've got Trevor Lawrence turning into the first pick in the draft at quarterback.
3: <laughs> he has shown uh, last year. I think we thought, oh, this was a bad decision. He's not going to be good. Travis Etienne was out for the entire year with a foot injury. You thought that what Urban Meyer was doing and how they, the direction that they were going, it was going to be really bad for him. And now, as I said earlier, when you get some stability, you know, day to day, working with a coach that understands what you're capable of doing. You're seeing the the maturation of, of Trevor Lawrence and this offense. You, you signed Christian Kirk. You signed Evan Ingram. You get guys in there that can play some football, and now they're show,
2: he's able to show you what he's able to do. And, Kerry, this is an interesting game from this perspective, too. And you have a, a better perspective of this than me, but tell me if I'm right. I think Doug Peterson makes his group of players better. And I think Brandon Staley makes his group of players worse.
3: I I, I think you might be right. I I think, you know, I don't know if I can say he makes – Brandon Staley makes them worse, but he doesn't put them in the best position to succeed. Mm -hmm. And and as a head coach, that's your job. Sometimes – it's to get the guys prepared and then get out of the way. Like you're not you're not there to micromanage every aspect of the game because now you can get in the way and make some decisions. There was a, a game earlier in the season where Keenan Allen was not playing. He was still at home. They were in Cleveland and Cleveland and um the 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 Chargers decided to go for it on fourth down. Instead of punting or instead of kicking a field goal, they got stopped. unfortunately fortunately for them, Cleveland was not able to score. And Keenan, Keenan Allen posted on Twitter, "What the yeah. hell are we yeah, doing?" Right. Something along he those lines. Home, He was at home. he was at home. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't there. And so you have some decisions in this uh, from Brandon Staley that you question. Obviously, the fans question, and your players, your own team, is questions at times. Um, so it, it they have to go all the way to Jacksonville. It's a long trip, and it's going to be a. a, a uh, uh, if you never played in Jacksonville, Jacksonville is, I, I, I love, they do, yeah. like it is, it is an experience in Jacksonville alone. Uh, so it, it's going to be a good game. Um, if Brandon Staley can stay out of the way, I think they have the better team I and agree. the better
2: athletes, but you know, anything can happen when you're going on the road and that's such a long trip. And the, why I brought this up is because the Chargers are a point point to half favorite on the road. I think that the coaching matchup is worth three points to Jacksonville.
3: You could make a poor decision, one poor decision not to kick a field goal, you know, to go for it on fourth and one, as opposed to punting it and, and pinning them deep. Those decisions are, are like I said, I said this earlier this week, People tend to look at the last quarter or the last few plays of the last quarter. There are plays in the middle of a game that, that matter. And if you are not in tuned and locked in the entire game, which Brandon Staley at times has uh,
2: has shown that he's made some critical mistakes, it could, be a, it could be an issue. So for all my discussion here about Jacksonville and the, the fact that they're coached better and that they're really on a roll and that Trevor Lawrence has turned into a great player... The fact of the matter is, Joey Bosa's back for the Chargers. Yeah. And you have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack coming off the edges. (laughs) Uh, Trevor Lawrence is in trouble. All right? They aren't going to score a ton of points. May not. They might not be able to score many points. And so with Austin Eckler and with Allen healthy and Mike Williams is questionable, but uh, they've got par in the the tight end. And they've got two receivers if if Mike Williams can't play. Mm -hmm. I think the Chargers wind up winning this game by a slight margin. Three points? I would say two or three, yeah. I can see that. I think
3: it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be a good game. Kind of one of those down-to-the-last-possession type of yeah. games where, you know— uh Los Angeles, the Chargers don't run the ball particularly well. It may come to come down to a point where they have to run the ball to eat up some clock, four minute offense to 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 get off of the field. And if they can't run the ball, Jacksonville, look for Jacksonville to go down and, and put a chance to put themselves in
2: a position to win that game. The Bills are favored by thirteen and a half. Any reason to talk about that nope. game? Uh the Bengals are favored by nine and a half. Any reason to talk Ooh, about man. that game? Nope. So the other game that is kind of compelling the Vikings at home over uh, a 3 point favorite over the Giants. I like Minnesota at home. Hell they were uh what uh, Minnesota went 13 and 4. The Giants are interesting. I I, I just want to see if at playoff time if Kirk Cousins coughs this baby up. That's the
3: that's what we are <laughs> that's what we're looking at in it. Mm-hmm. If Kirk Cousins can take care of the football, we know offensively they are you know, spectacular. They can, Justin Jefferson led the league in receiving. Um, As much as we talk Poorly about Kirk Cousins. He's a Pro Bowl quarterback this season. He's done a fantastic job of of, of getting the ball to his receivers, Jeff, Justin Jefferson specifically. Um, offensively, I would like to see them run the football more. They 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 can lean on Dalvin Cook just a little bit more, especially in the playoffs, yeah. and and see if they can kind of get this run game going to the tune of him getting 125, 130 yards. I think would be a great game for him and and for them. Kind of a great game plan if he if Kirk Cousins decides to turn the football over and the, the Giants get multiple opportunities, this Vikings defense is not very good. They struggle offensively, and they struggle with allowing a lot of points and a lot of a lot of yards. If you're turning the ball over to, to, to the New York Giants and giving them more possessions, you're going to give your defense more opportunities to be scored on, and that does not bode well for the Minnesota Vikings to win this game.
2: And when you watch this game, this is one thing that I know that Kerry that, uh, and Matthew love. Watch the left tackle. He's healthy now from Minnesota. Christian Derrissaw, mm-hmm. he is a fun player to yeah. watch because we enjoyed it here in St. Louis for a long time, the old pancake block. Christian Derrissaw, he can pancake a few guys. It, it, it pays the, to be big and play left tackle.
3: Uh, it, it literally pays well to be big and be a left tackle. He's, he's dominating people and making them, getting them out of the way. Yeah, He's a big fella. Move your feet, punch. You're going to knock people down. Yeah. One last point on the Vikings-Giants game because
4: I've, I've been noticeably down on the Vikings all year. Nick Wagner I thought, had a great uh, tweet uh, last week when he talked about the strength of schedule and how teams are doing against it. 49ers, one of the worst strength of schedules in the league, but they are pounding teams with a bad strength of schedule. They're like plus 147 in scoring differential. The Minnesota Vikings barely have a better strength of schedule than them. They have one of the worst in the league, and they're the only top seed with a low strength of schedule Is that is a negative point differential and everything tells me that means they're not a strong team and might not it might not be the giants but i maintain that i'd be shocked if they make to make it to the nfc championship game
2: i think that's really the only compelling part of sunday although if hamlin comes out for the coin toss for the bills that place is just going to be bananas. It's going to be.
3: I I said it the other day, you're going to be able to hear it in New York City. (laughs) You're going to be able to hear it. you know how loud they are. Just the stadium's going to be shaking and rocking. Those guys are, are, you know, just I I am so happy that he is finally out of the hospital. That whole ordeal was one of the most scariest things that I've ever witnessed on a football field from, you know, not even being there, just watching it on TV. Um, So for him to be home, Resting. You know, I'm sure he's he's been up back up to the facility. The guys have seen him. I I couldn't imagine if that man walked through the door. Randy, I I just get chills thinking about how that meeting went when if and when he walked through the door and those guys got to lay eyes on him and and, and hug him and tell him we love you. By the way, did you
2: ever hear that Cal student? air quotes. Marshawn Lynch, when he got drafted by the Bills, thought he was going to New York. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he didn't know. Cal student. Marshawn Lynch, I'll add.
3: Student athlete.
2: athlete. Some
4: people have niches. Clearly geography, not his. No, right. not one of them. That's not
2: funny. Carrie, Randy, coming up next, we're going to talk some golf with our buddy Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. Good
0: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Gary Davis, Randy Carriker. Before last Sunday, in the long history of the PGA Tour, only eight players had blown a six-shot lead in the final round of a tournament. Colin Murakawa became the ninth to blow a six-shot lead as John Rahm zoomed by Morikawa, who went bogey, bogey, bogey uh, on a stretch on the back nine. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our friend Jay Delsing joins us. Jay, good morning. How are you doing? Doing great guys. Good morning. Hey, that was obviously devastating for Morikawa. My interest is in how he responds from this because he seems to be very level headed about this. But pretty much everybody who's ever done this has been level headed about this. Would you be concerned about how Morikawa will react over the last six months or the next six months of the the next year to losing this? If he has a six shot lead in the Masters on Sunday, are you gonna be watching because you think he's gonna blow it?
6: Boy, you know, Randy, it's it's really interesting because um, Jordan Spieth had that huge lead at Augusta. It wasn't six shots going into Sunday's round, so he's not included on that list. But there were signs for for me when I was watching uh, Jordan um, that that just didn't look good. Morikowit, to me, seemed to be in complete control. And then to have his short game go so haywire on, on 14 and blade that shot out of the bunker, and then, then he chunks that shot on on 15, and, you know, 15's a par 5. And, you know, the other thing, Randy, is that these were the first bogeys he had made in the event so far. So he played, what, 63, 64 holes, something like that, 66 holes um, without making a bogey, but I've seen him recover from things that I thought would be devastating. I don't know if you recall a while back. He was in a playoff with Daniel Berger at the Colonial, and he had pretty much a tap in, a little less than a three-footer on the 17th hole, the first playoff hole to extend the playoff and missed it. And I was really curious to see how he'd respond and, and how much effect that had on him. And it didn't have much at all. So, I know he's a smart kid. It this is this is about having that and Carrie, you know how this how important it is to have that convenient memory. You have to have a really, really long term memory of the good things and short term of bad. So I'm curious. I'm really pulling for this kid. I've met him. He's terrific. I hope he's able to shake it off, but it's not gonna be easy.
3: Hey, Jay, when you are uh, in a moment like that, it, it sort of feels like you're spiraling out of control. How do you hit the reset button? Golf is such a, a mental sport, and it, it's really you versus you. Uh, if I had a bad play or fumbled the ball, I probably got 10, 15 teammates that are going to ha- tap me on the head and say, next play. But with golf, you, you, you're spiraling, and, and it's just you and the golf clubs and the golf hole and the golf ball. How do you reset, take time to reset and get back into, into what you need to do?
6: Kerry, it's one of the hardest things in in all of sport. I've talked to other athletes when, because when you're playing so well, you're, you're slowed down mentally that things are going at a speed that, that are really, really comfortable for you. There's not much is going wrong. I mean, hell, Boricel is what? 27 under par. I mean, guys, he did still finish 24 under par for the tournament uh, at a 72 hole event. That's, he, he played a lot of great golf. But what, what it's really important to 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 have your caddy be able to say something to you or be able to put you in a state, help you get back in the state of mind to recover because yeah, the, the, it goes so fast. I mean, look at what happened in the Blues hockey game last night. We're one-to-one. We, I think we have right around nine minutes left in the third period, and we lose the game four-to-one i mean the puck takes some crazy bounces and so it is really important to try to you know the your your number one um reaction on stuff like this guys is to speed up you start walking faster because your heart rate kicks in in a big way it's all about trying to slow that down and getting back into the moment
2: hey jay today will be a big day for live golf and the pga tour because yesterday in california a judge denied a request to delay a hearing on discovery in in the case and so live golf they they wanted a delay and pga the pga tour they want to forge ahead and apparently this is going to cause real problems in live for live golf in their antitrust suit against the pga it sure doesn't seem like they win much
6: it really doesn't and you know Greg Norman was talking about the, how uh, a, a network deal was imminent, and that was in November, October, November. We haven't heard anything from them. So we also, one of the things I keep looking for guys is are we going to get who, who, if we're going to get a new defector, who's going because um, you know, that's always significant because you know, they're working in the back, you know, they're throwing more and more money at people and no one, to this point has gone. So I just, I, I, I'm just struggling to try to figure out the, the plan here for them. You know, there's supposedly 14 events. Um, nothing has really gone their way much. Uh, when it comes to the oh man, the, the the public image, it just doesn't seem to be that they're doing worth a damn. I, I, I don't know. They, they don't win much. And Um, You know, the Augusta ruling came out, and Augusta really didn't have much choice, guys, to, to let these guys in. I mean, they really don't. But what's interesting is that if this thing stays viable, then Augusta National and the majors are going to have to rewrite their criteria on how these players get access into their event because the lifelong players that have won the Masters, DJ, Mickelson, Sergio, Patrick Reed, um, they're all going to get in. No, no problem. Um, But, you know, you're going to get other good players like uh, Cameron Smith. If he stays, you know, relevant in the world of golf, he's eventually going to need a a different way to get in that event because his British Open exemption will only last five years. So it'll be interesting to see. I have not not we've a lot of live, you know, in the last six months, but in the last two, it's been kind of slept, slept under the rug.
2: And by the way, they only have seven events scheduled right now for 2023, and I'm, I'm just intrigued to see how long the interest is there on the part of the Saudi investment fund? It can be viable financially as long as they want it to be, but how long are they going to maintain interest in something that seems to be really disorganized and not working out the way they thought it was going to work out?
6: Right, Randy. And and what is their end goal? I mean, they're obviously looking to to try to take some of the positive attributes of the game of golf and some of the good things that we've done and, and kind of transfer that over to their image. But, is it working? And I mean, and, and how long will they, will they care? You know, I know they make, you know, like you said, I I saw something the other day about the number of billions of dollars that they make a day, you know, in their, in their fund. And so they can obviously stand it if they want to, but do they want to? Right. That's the question. I, I just don't see it. I don't know.
3: Hey, Jay, I was wondering, it's, it's 26 degrees today, and, and so obviously not many people are going to play golf. What is the longest non-injury related uh, that you've gone without picking up your golf clubs?
6: Oh my gosh, Kerry! when I was playing all the time, I was not around here at this time of year. And it was really, really nice. It was really, really nice. Right now, I don't even know where my clubs are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're in a timeout somewhere. They've been in a timeout for about five years. <laughs> they, just, they have really they've forgotten how to do their thing. They they haven't. They, you know, it's got to be there. what? It, what was the old uh, adage on on uh, sports? that our guys, a, a good craftsman never blames his. Uh, <laughs> his tools <laughs> while well, I'm playing my tools man do you do you
3: have conversations with them and ask him what are you guys doing I know you know better what's going on here
6: when I tossed them in the corner <laughs> I said you guys need uh, an attitude adjustment you need the time to figure this thing out because you know you're you're you have obviously forgotten what you're doing you know guys when I was playing on the on the tour a lot my daughters were obviously younger and I had a huge cache of clubs in the basement. I had uh, three tour bag fulls of putters. I had wedges. I had drivers. And I would occasionally go down there, and I would do some loud talking. (laughs) Who the hell wanted to come out and try to make some money? Because the the current team that I had assembled was not really performing very well. And I'd come up out of the basement, and the girls would look at me, and I'm like, Dad, fine. I'm okay, just a little nuts. We're just trying to figure out who wants to go out and play a little <laughs> better golf than what we got going on right now.
2: Hey Jay, before we let you go, how often do you flip over and uh, when the tour is in Hawaii and they're playing against the, the Blues? So you you can go to Golf Channel, you can go to to Bally Sports. I flip over during commercials and during intermissions. Do you do that?
6: Oh yeah, I do. I hate I hate to I hate to say that I do the the Hawaiian swing represented so much fun to me, Randy, you know, back in the day, that's when the calendar and the, and the year really started and to get out of here at this time of year. And, you know, I love St. Louis. Uh, sometimes I wonder why weather wise, but I love St. Louis. And to be able to get on those the Hawaiian islands and, and, and uh, I would take the girls over there all the time with me. It was a, it was a really real treat. And so I, I love watching uh, uh, Wai I
2: It's fantastic. Jay,
6: have a great weekend. Who do you have
2: on the show on Sunday?
6: I got Mike Tucker, the director of golf over at Bell Reef Country Club. Guys, you know, one of the things I got to say, and and kudos to Mike and the membership at Bell Reef, they have kept St. Louis in the forefront of the, the national and even international golf scene with, you know, in 2026, we have the BMW Championship coming, and in 2030, we have the President's Cup coming. And so it's been, what, Randy, since 1971? since we've had an international golf event here, mm-hmm. and the, the Ryder Cup was over, I think, at Old Warson. And so that's a, bi- that's a big deal, and I know it's a long way away, but when you're a golf nerd, you look at those things.
2: Yeah, we'll be tuned in to Mike Tucker. We love everything that he
6: says. Right on. He's a, he's a great guy, and um, uh, they, do, they do a great job over there. All right.
2: We'll be tuned in, sir. Thanks. Have a great weekend. You guys, too. Thank you. See you, Jay, Jay Delson talking golf you, here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the... Air Comfort Service text line of 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO, Y-O-H-O, if you like to use the letters. And save that text line number in your phone, because we've got to Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something? To put it out there.
2: Kerry Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Uh, we mentioned earlier that the Boston Bruins lost their first regulation home game last night to uh, uh, fall to 19-1 and 3 at home. They do have, however, the best record in the National Hockey League, which is pretty important. And then when you look at the NBA, the Boston Celtics have the best record. So, Ordinarily, you'd think that they should be pretty happy on Boston Sports Radio this morning. But the Bruins did lose last night. I I texted Michelle to ask her about the name of the segment that they have every single morning Mm -hmm. on WEEI in Boston. And the name of the segment is Wheel of Gutless Bums. (laughs) What? Yeah, Wheel of Gutless Bums, where they they rip somebody. Uh, and take they're it. doing it with the best record in the NHL and the best record in the NBA. Take it or leave it. We need a segment like that here in oh, St. Louis. take it. Wheel of gutless bums. Take it. And it can only be local. Yeah, take it.
3: Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it. And yeah. then, 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 Randy, they won't be calling you such a homer. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's so harsh. That's so Boston. It's that's totally right. Boston. Like that,
2: yeah. that, like
4: that's so Boston, it's almost Philadelphia.
2: Oh, no. Boston's worse than Philly. Is I, it really? I, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I, think really? So. Yeah. I, I think always so. thought Philly was the cream of the crop. Yep. Boston's people are much more negative. I Go- think Goose is- Gossage would call the entire city of Boston a bunch of negative blanker blankers. Remember, they assaulted
4: a police horse when they won a championship in Philadelphia. Yeah, it was out of glee.
2: There is no glee Shear in
4: Boston.
3: Excitement. There is no glee in Boston. It's Just, just dark clouds. Yeah. Uh, Randy. Take it or leave it. We we, we talk a lot about basketball in Mm, these. We do. Especially off air. We, We have some hot takes. In this studio. Take it or leave it. Rock is really trolling me with his basketball takes, and I just have not figured it out yet. I'm gonna have to take that, CD. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take that. There's some of the things that he said. It's gotta be a troll. He's he's gotta be trolling me. Because there is no way possible that I just heard Matthew Rocchio say that Kobe Bryant is not only a not a top 10 player of all time, he may be top 25. He said that. <laughs> this, this he said that. A, he's trolling me. You're getting trolled. I, I been, and I and I take the bait how, every single well, time. Can, can, you just so control of me. I will feel how better. How can you be a top
4: ten player oh. if you have only if you have five championships and you were the best player only one time? Oh,
3: because how? Paul Gasol was better in the other yes, one. I mean, i just hate And hey, that's listen, a hill you're willing to die that's on. That's a hill I'm
4: willing to
5: die on. And by the way, <laughs> I, I,
2: I <laughs> ascended that hill years ago, yeah. and I've, I've staunchly yeah. planted my flag, sir. I went oh. to the Google machine to look for anybody that agreed. I just did a search for top ten players NBA history and every single list that I found every single one had Kobe in the top ten every single one of them yeah so Matthew as your mom told you a lot of times, you're special. I'm a contrarian. Yeah. You are a
3: contrarian. This is that is one hundred percent. You you go against the grain. I, uh, I, I hey, respect it. At least I don't make it ugly. <laughs> I respect you guys, it. you guys wanna keep pumping up all these Lakers and
4: Yankee oh, stars, that's just God. fine with me. But I was born in the old Midwest. No.
3: Oh. Mm-hmm. Show
4: me state baby. Wait, that that's a bad argument. Right. <laughs> the whole show me thing's a bad argument for Kobe and Jeter. Never mind. Yeah. I pull yeah. back yeah. on that one. Kind, I kinda of showed yeah. you every pull, time they were pull, out there. I pull back on that one. All right. Well, they, they only have five rings each. Though. I mean, they, they oh, only
3: only
2: considered. Or he's got know. seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All right. Uh, to the text line three one four three nine 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 six four six. Matthew, what do you got? Speaking of a hot take,
4: take it or leave it. Ryan O'Reilly will be signed to an extension by the end of the year. Who? I'm gonna
2: leave that, but I think it's an interesting thought. You leave it though.
3: Take it. Or... Oh, sorry. I, I, I think I I think I will. I think I'll leave it as well. That's gonna be, I mean, this these injuries came at the worst time for them, but the best time for the Blues, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, yeah,
4: take it or leave it. The Cardinals make it to the
3: NLCS this
2: year. Oh, totally take it.
3: I mean, we're homers. Take it. Jordan mm-hmm. Walker is is is, and Jordan Walker is the NLs, NLCS MVP.
2: Yeah, uh, the the Mets aren't even making the playoffs. Playoffs.
3: Take it
4: or leave it. The Georgia Dome is silent in a few Sundays. Neither the Bills or nor Chiefs make it out. Not the either the Bills
3: or Chiefs don't make it out of the AFC divisional round.
2: I'm gonna I, I'm gonna take that, guys.
3: Because the Bengals the Bengals are would have to play the Bills. They would be playing mm. the Bills in the second round. Yeah. Um. And unless Jacksonville, have, yeah, either right. either way, yeah, the, yeah. Lower seat, the lower seed because they're seat two goes, and three. Yeah. Right. I don't see I don't see <laughs> the Chiefs losing to Jacksonville or to who was the other team? Um, Chargers. The Chargers. I, I I don't see that happening. But, and obviously I don't see the Dolphins beating the Bills this weekend for them to be able to play. I'm going to take it. Well, well did, I, did I hear that if the Chiefs, Chargers, or Bengals are in the AFC Championship game it's a neutral site?
2: It's because only the, a neutral site if it's the, Beng- the Bills and the Chiefs.
3: I thought it was well. I, I, okay, because I thought maybe because the, the, either both of those teams have one less game, the Bills and the uh, Bengals. But
2: the thing was, they were even, still, even though the Bengals beat KC, they they have the four losses. They were still behind. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah, I was just double checking. It's just yeah, just Bills Chiefs. Just Bills, just and Bills and Chiefs, Chiefs. Yes. Uh, taking or leaving, the Cardinals are more likely
3: to have the rookie of the year than the MVP. Ooh.
2: They had two guys last year that yeah. were were in the. <laughs> I'm going to leave that because I think those guys will be in the hunt again and I, I would anticipate that Nolan Arnotto, like yeah, will step up yeah. and be as good as he was last year.
4: Okay. I'll, I like that. Take it, or, uh, take it or leave it. Torrey Holt gets into the Hall of Fame this year.
3: Let's take it. Yeah, let's take it. Yeah, let's take it. Yeah. I mean, it's time. Yeah. We've been waiting a long time. We'll let's ask do. Isaac
2: about that on Monday. There Isaac's going to join us at the end of the show on Monday.
3: He's in the Hall of Fame. We're we going to the Hall of Fame this week, this year?
2: Yeah, we can. Okay, let's we'll do, do it.
3: it. We've we put together a few trips here, Randy. Wow. We, oh, yeah, we to, yeah. London? We're going to London. Canton? Pittsburgh. 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 Those are different. Got yeah. Yeah, some, uh, some trips planned. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Take it or leave it. Randy will be watching the Tottenham Hotspur as they demolish Kroenke's arsenal this weekend in the North London Derby. Derby. I won't Sorry. be watching. Oh, I've kind on.
2: of cooled on Tottenham because they kind of disassembled the team. Uh, whenever, when they fired Maurizio, that kind of bothered me. Uh, he was the he, he was the manager, Yeah, he, and he was terrific. And I talk a lot about franchises with self awareness. Tottenham doesn't have a lot of self awareness, mm. so I've kind of cooled on them. But I'll be rooting for them hard to beat Arsenal. I will say that. Yeah. How do you like it? How they call it a derby? It's a, it, but it's spelled. That's okay. Derby. Yeah. Jack they're, Buck they're used not, to. London uh, Derby. Back in the day, Jack used to broadcast the Irish Derby. It was sponsored by Budweiser, so he would go there every year. Mm. And horse racing in uh, in Ireland, rather than running laps to the left, they run it to the right. Really? Yeah, it's backwards.
4: That's kind of awesome. I, I want to see that. That's that's really fantastic. Take it or leave it, if Lamar if the Ravens get Lamar's contract done, Hop
3: Nuke Hopkins will be a Raven next year. Hmm. DeAndre Hopkins there there were reports that he's gonna be uh he's he's possibly gonna be traded, mm-hmm. which I could see that I Lamar needs a number one receiver. I don't know what their salary cap looks like. They just paid um, Roquan Smith a, a lot of money to be the top paid linebacker in mm-hmm. the league. I don't know if they have money to pay for Lamar Jackson and take on That's DeAndre Hopkins' contract as well. Um, they they got to find someone, though. They, they, they're they going to have to find someone that can help them in that, in that receiver core.
2: Yeah, I don't even know who they have coming off the books, but... I'll take the field and say that it's one of the other thirty teams that's not Baltimore, obviously, or Arizona that winds up with DeAndre Hopkins, but not Houston.
4: Take it or leave it. Leave it. Vladimir
3: Tarasenko will invoke their, his no-trade clause and stay with the Blues. I'm going to take that. I'll take it as well. I, I would. I would take it because if you aren't going to a to a team where you know you want to be, and you talked about it, family. Mm-hmm. I like guess a lot of things in, in, involved when you're talking about trading players it's not just a player that leaves it's a family situation leaving your family having to go to a different city for you know a couple of months or, or more depending on how how well the season goes I, I'll I'll he may invoke that no trade clause and, and that's why he asked for the, the no trade yep. clause right yep Yep. thank you Matthew uh thank you, you
4: one more no just uh, Randy my son and I just became Spurs fans this year you gotta jump back on
2: <sighs> I still like Harry no Gareth Bale yeah, they have just—it's just been a long time ago. It's, it's not the same. As it, as it Jump was. on
4: Leeds United. That's that's a, that's America's EPL team.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to have time. I got my soccer team. I got, <laughs> I got SC there you here. go,
4: Randy. You know what? what? You, you're, you're, you're the only. You're, you're, you're the only guy. You're the only guy. In I love Since Soccer. Love soccer.
2: Uh, St. Louis City SC is where I'm at. As a matter of fact, uh, evidently they pay me, which I appreciate. But I haven't seen the checks yet. I don't know if they're doing direct deposit I haven't given them any information Randy they just started training camp give them a break Oh yeah first day of uh, camp first practice the other day For St. Louis City SC Uh, Yeah go St. Louis Coming up next here on 101 ESPN we have our fresh take If you're the Blues are you only looking for draft choices Or when you make a deal Might you look for a defenseman That's next on 101 ESPN
0: You're back to the opening drive podcast On 101 ESPN Presented by Dobbs
1: Tire and Auto Centers
0: A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take.
1: Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app.
2: four in St. Louis, the time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Blues will take on the Tampa Bay Lightning tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. But we're all looking ahead to March 3rd when the NHL trade deadline gets here. And Kerry made an interesting observation yesterday when we were getting ready for Why are the Blues... And why are we talking about only draft picks when they make a deal with Tarasenko and or O'Reilly and or uh, Ivan Barbashev on March 30th? Why don't we why don't the Blues try to get a defenseman back? First of all, I think it's a great thought. Mm -hmm. And I would think, CD, that if you get a defenseman back that you're probably getting a prospect along with a pick. Not unlike when the Blues traded Kevin Shattenkirk to Washington. And not only, and by the way, they traded a goalie, Phoenix Copley, along with Shaddy. And they got back uh, Zach Sanford, who never really turned into what they expected he would be. And a first-round draft choice. When you look at what for what defensemen were able to garner last year, the Blues gave up Jake Wallman, Sundquist in a number two, to get Nick Letty and Luke Witkowski is kind of a, a throw-in on on that on that deal. Uh, the Rangers acquired uh, defenseman uh, or Anthony, or they they got forward Nick Merkley from San Jose for Nick Bateto, who's just a guy. When you look at the big-time guys that were traded, though, Mark Giordano is able to fetch a second rounder, another second rounder, and a third rounder. Ottawa acquired Travis Harmonic from Vancouver in exchange for a third rounder. Boston gave up a first and two seconds to get Hampus Limitome from Anaheim. The cost in picks for defensemen last year, established defensemen, was high. So I think that that's something to talk about, Mm -hmm. but I think it's for a young defenseman. And the Blues do a really good job of scouting young players and getting them into the system and getting them playing. I think that's probably the way to go is get a talented guy that you like that maybe another team has soured on. Uh,
3: who, would, who, would you, who would you say? I, I mean, Jacob Chickering is, is that a name that I and mean, he's getting $4 million a year, right? I, is I, that I a name that you would feel comfortable bringing in in a, in a trade? I would, but here's the thing.
2: Arizona is going to have no interest in trying to keep a guy like O'Reilly or a guy like right. Vladimir Vlade. Tarasenko. Yeah. If you get Jacob Chikrin, you're going to have to trade prospects and picks to get a guy like that. Joel Edmondson, I think, from Montreal. Last year, they were able to get a number 1 for Ben Chirot, who's not a very good player. I would think that they'll probably be asking for pretty significant draft compensation for a guy like that. I I believe that if the Blues are going to pull off something like what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it'd have to be a three-way deal. Where maybe not necessarily a three-way deal, but you trade one of your guys four picks and then right. you use those assets to get to what, you, get want what you really want.
3: So it would be a situation, and maybe a three-team trade would be the best scenario because... How I thought about it yesterday was, okay, the Blues are playing pretty well with with Vladdy and, and O'Reilly out. So if you continue on that track where you're you know winning four out of every six games and, and you are putting yourself in a position to, to be second in the playoffs, second seed or whatever, h- however close you can get to that number to being in the playoffs and actually having a chance to make a run in the playoffs. Obviously, Vladimir Teresenko and O'Reilly have been injured during this run, and so you've learned to play a style of hockey without them. But another team may be needing a, a, a leadership or needing a goal scorer like Vladdy is, and and would they be willing to give up something that they have, sort of a defenseman that which is what we need right now uh, for for a goal scorer in Vlad, Vladimir
2: Tarasenko. Here's what you need to find: you need to find that team that has a young defenseman that's their number eight guy mm-hmm. that can blossom and turn into a number one or two guy for you. You never expect to get a hall of famer but both the flames and we talked to jeremy rutherford about this yesterday both the flames and the blues knew what brett hall was going to be when they gave up the blues gave up ramage and wamsley to get brett hall those guys were essentially rentals to help calgary win a stanley cup that is what I would think that you're looking for is that young guy that you think you can turn into a number one uh-huh. or two, rather than a guy who's already got the contract like Chicken,
3: yeah, who yeah.
2: who's already a one or two and established. And then maybe you get a number two along with that.
3: Well, do, because I, I say that because I think they do need a an, a veteran, you know, some veteran leadership. I, I, the Blues need a guy that is not going to be bullied or pushed around. You know, you you play two games against the, the Flames and, and nobody even takes a shot at Kadri you don't you don't you don't let him know hey What you did, Mm -hmm. mistake or not, it's unacceptable. If someone throws a pitch inside to Albert Pujols, whether or not it slipped out of your hand, the next time you come up to bat, uh, well, they don't pitch anymore, but uh, they don't hit anymore, but the next time your big guy comes up to bat, we're going to let one slip inside as well to let you know, even if it was a mistake and not done on purpose, don't make those types of mistakes. And and right now, this Blues team lacks that type of intensity in terms of... You know, just a, a tough guy that'll that'll make sure. And I know the enforcer is no longer a part of hockey, mm-hmm. and, and they don't have guys that just come out there to fight anymore. But you still gotta have guys that can play, but are are tough guys and let other guys know, hey, stay off of our goalie, stay off of our our, our main guys, and we'll stay off of yours or
2: we'll we'll return the favor. The guy that is on the athletics trade possibility list that fits what you're talking about and would give up. His no trade to be here is Joel Edmonds. Yeah. And he's making $3.5 through next year. The Blues would have to clear some cap space, but that's what you're talking about. Okay, so you go out and you get a number two for O'Reilly because his value is diminished because of the injury. And then you turn around, I would think that you could get a number... Uh, Joel Edmondson for Four number two. two that would not be a bad move in my eyes
3: I agree I, and and it's something that uh, both teams win y- you mm-hmm. are putting yourself and, and this is just all based off the premise that we are still playing you know well enough to make it and make a run into the playoffs and if not if if it all falls you know before March, March 3rd and, and it turns bad then you just get what you can get prospects, picks and you go about your day but if you have a chance to really make a run in the playoffs this team needs that that, that guy on the, yep. from the defenseman especially with all of the injuries that they've had um, you know they need that guy to be able to come in and, and set the tone
2: for, for what this team is now Montreal has the second worst record in the East this is not something that Doug Armstrong has been want to do in the past but it might be a play here is you give up a premium pick a number two mm-hmm. take a guy like uh one of the blues injured defensemen and move him for that contract I, I would think that if you would offer a two and scandela and say montreal you take the scandela contract you're a bad team you aren't going anywhere for a free few years anyway so you're basically giving up the pick for the salary mm-hmm. i don't even know if you have to go number two you probably would so that they would take the scandela right. contract and get Joel Edmondson that way, and then just do what you were going to do yeah. with the other guys that are going to yeah. be free agents. Yeah. If you want to... Heck, that would not be a bad move to try right now. Right. But the problem with Joel Edmondson is that he barely played last year. He hasn't been the same player since he left St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to be pretty confident that you can get him back. But he he does the things that you're talking about that you want.
3: Sometimes a change of scenery, sometimes coming back to a familiar place can,
2: can be beneficial. But to your question, would it surprise me if Doug Armstrong would get players and picks back in exchange for the guys that are going to be free agents, not one bit, because he's done it in the past, and I think it's a smart move.
3: Yeah, I think just based on where this team is right now, they are, you know, right there on the brink of being able to get into the playoffs and, and being a playoff team, and and you know it's just missing that ingredient just that that tough guy that guy that is you know not no BS I'm not going to allow this to happen to him I got you guys I can also play hockey as well I'm not just out there trying to punch people in the face which I don't I don't
2: mind those guys either but a a guy that can do both that's CD I'm Randy and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN coming up does Joe Vitale prefer a memory foam pillow or does he prefer a feather pillow we're going to find out next on 101 ESPN
0: Back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
1: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking
0: everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com.
2: And Randy, 27 degrees outside, and we go yeah. to the Brown and Crouppen and Celebrity Line to ask our friend Joe Vitale, blues analyst and one of the smartest people, if not the smartest people we know. He is uh, intelligent, he's Very something intelligent. else. Yeah, he's Joey. Got a lot of information, a lot of things. Joey, <laughs> Joey, I got two for you right off the bat. Number one, how was the run this morning?
5: No, the run was good, a little chilly. I had the hoodie on, the gloves on, though. We uh, made a quick stop, a call at my friend Chris's house. It was a good, good catch-up. It was a cold run, 45 minutes in and out.
2: Got it done, though, Randy. I appreciate you asking. Proud of you. Second of all, I was uh, thinking about you this morning when I got up because I have a, a feather pillow and a memory foam pillow, but I always take my feather pillow off and put it to the side of the bed when I go to sleep. I love the memory foam pillow. I don't know why I have two pillows. My wife insists. So I, I've got them. But I want to know what your preference is between a memory foam pillow and a feather pillow.
5: Listen the uh, the pillow game that that's a love hate it, it's a feast or famine when it comes of the pillow the pillow the dynamic let's call it a dy- it's it's definitely a dynamic in my house my wife. I don't know if we talked about this before. I have a bunch of throw pillows. Like, we have all these, like, decorative throw pillows. Have we, have we talk about this yeah, right? because I think, remember, I, think, I
2: sent you the picture. I've got, like, 15 that yeah, I have to put on the bed right. every morning.
5: Yeah, it's like, and then you end up throwing them on the floor, and then they, like, pick up all these, like, dirt and crumbs. and uh, I, I don't get it. So I finally won that battle. Like, we have, we have gotten rid of every decorative throw pillow imaginable because it just ended up into a big pillow fight with my kids, and then someone was getting hurt. So now, now the pillows are gone this is this is a good debate. I mean, you know, I talked to a lot of players about this, you know, one of the first questions I ask guys on the road is how'd you sleep? Mm-hmm. And they always tell me. And the second thing is always like, How about these pillows? And they everyone's always got an opinion about a pillow, too soft, too hard, not big enough. Uh, you need two of them. You know, it's like you need two, but then three's too much, or maybe two's is not <laughs> enough. It's like it's all it's all the whole the whole the whole bit. But uh, now now that I've gotten rid of the throw pillows, I I'm just happy to sleep in my bed again, Randy. I mean, my wife, she is just a bed super freak. Like she she just the blankets gotta be tight. Everything's gotta be orderly. And now now she's got this thing where apparently like I'm such a warm sleeper. She actually builds a fort around herself. She has these huge <laughs> she has these she has these huge body pillows. One on her left side, one on her right. So it's basically like her own individual bed (laughs) on that side. And I'm not allowed to cross. I'm not allowed to cross the border because, you know, every now and then I'll cross the border and then, you know, and then things happen and she interrupts her sleep. I I think we all, you know what I mean? So I I, I try not to go and I try not to do the thing there. So I I say, she always tucks that pillow. She goes, you make sure you keep this pillow between us. I said, okay, hon. Um, So, yeah, me and the pillow thing, I don't know. It's just
2: I haven't quite figured out my groove yet on it. Guys. Our version of the body pillow is a golden retriever in a lab yeah. <laughs> between us.
7: <laughs>
5: <laughs> hey, it's like, like you don't need birth control. You just need a golden in a lab. <laughs> exactly right. Or, <laughs> or two body pillows. Exactly right.
3: Joey, the, oh, no. the people don't understand the importance of, of sleep and how, you know, as a player, I, I wonder, do you still have body injuries because there are times where you know I I don't sleep with the 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 uh, feather pillow because the feathers stick me in the neck they come out of the pillow sometimes through the pillowcase it's too much it's too much work to deal with I I like the memory foam but it sleep is extremely important to me and there are some days where I wake up and I feel like I just played a football game and I don't know how what's going on in the bed it's do you have nights like that where you just wake up and your body is like oh you didn't sleep at all tonight sir
5: well, you know, Carrie, you know, that, that feeling it could be somewhat because of the half bottle of grey goose you compounded the night uh, <laughs>
3: before. The night I mean, like before, I got. You know, oh, no God. one told me that I needed to stop that. So clearly, hey. now that I know that, I can I can dial that back a little bit. <laughs> so, That's right.
5: It's like, it's like me. Like, listen, we're, we're men. We don't take responsibility for anything. I wake up, I feel horrible. But I'm like, honey, I think we need to do bed. She's like, or you need to stop burying 13 bowls of cereal before you go to bed, and maybe you'll feel a little bit better. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not a bad point. No, uh, you know, I'm with you. A good night's sleep, uh, certainly, uh, they're hard to come by nowadays. You know, and especially, especially with this this routine that the Blues have, where it's been a lot of travel, in November, December. Uh, so, sleep certainly is something that you know, from from a lifestyle standpoint, I think any health doctor would tell you that that is, you know, they they say with sleep, it you need to have consistency. Right, he have the same bed. You know, he had the same climate. And you look at this team. You look at the way they travel. I mean, you're in different cities. You're getting in it two. You're icing it one in the morning. I mean, it's just it's all it's all over the place. But you know, it's one thing for me. I mean, when I got when I got injured all those years ago, one of the Side concussion or side effects of all my concussions was I just became an insomniac. Is actually why I found I got into bread because it was something I could do quietly in the middle of the night, which you know we've talked about. But to, to this day, to this day, I you know I'll sleep you know three four hours, wake up in two in the morning, and I'm just like boom, I'm awake. Like there's there's no more REM cycle. I'm up. I'm active. I'm ready to go. But you know what the silver lining is? You have this many kids. It actually works out pretty well because <laughs> got a lot of husband points throughout the years. Getting up with the babies in the middle of the night doing that whole thing because. Um, that's just kind of the way it shook out. But uh, no, certainly the pillow debate is, is still a big one in my house. And uh, every now and then I'll try to move that body pillow between me and my wife and I get a smack to the head and, then, and it's all good. It's all good. Keep, keep you
2: humble. One other thing, by the way, about sleep. When Chip Kelly was hired as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he brought a lot of sports science with him. And one of the things he wanted his players to do was to sleep 10 hours a night. There's never been a point in my life where I could sleep 10 hours a night.
5: That that to me seems like a lot. I mean, that's wow. over a third of your life. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. sleeping sleeping that much. You know, I, I know that you know a lot of the players. They have these different different routine things they do to kind of increase as much sleep as possible. Like Brandon Saad, for example. Boy, is he playing great right now. Mm-hmm. You see him on a plane. He's got these like orange lenses he wears everywhere. I kind of thought it was like a, a, tr- a trendy little like hippie thing he was starting to bring back. Like he had these like hippie like orange <laughs> frames. But it actually it cuts out the Blu ray so he wears them on the flights and he wears them, you know, especially when he gets off the plane. He doesn't want to have any blue light um, like post, he said, he said like post game or post nine PM, and that, that can kind of help him help him with his rest. A lot of the Blues uh, players uh, believe in this, and certainly the head trainer Ryan Podell does as well. Uh, different sleep techniques, as far as like when they go to Colorado, the idea is you want to get in and get out as quickly as possible because of the high altitude. So if there's a day before the game, they'll wait till the very last minute to get to Colorado, and then as soon as the game's over, they're out of there quickly. You know, the, the, the altitude, obviously there's less oxygen in the air, which means your body needs to work even harder to, to get enough oxygen, which interrupts your sleep. So there, there is a lot of these, these crazy little sleeping rooted things that they try to manipulate in order to suffice to the, the crazy schedule that these players have. But at the end of the day, there's only so much you can do, and, and I certainly think that they're, um, they're doing a well, well enough job lately, especially because this Blues team's been, they've been playing pretty good hockey.
3: Hey, Joe, speaking of playing pretty good hockey, we were just talking about the Blues and, and maybe the need for a defenseman uh, at the trade deadline. You had so many injuries um, to the defenseman and, and guys that have you know been out for an extended period of time. What are your thoughts about this team going forward and, and maybe some of the, the needs that they could bring in to help them on this playoff run if they were to get in?
5: Well, I think that uh, a big defenseman, a big puck-moving, hard defenseman to play against is certainly... Uh, a priority, but you know what? For the St. Louis Blues, and for all the fans out there, you know, t- tell them to get in line. I mean, every team needs this right now. I mean, you look across the look across the NHL, uh, defending and getting goals against—it's it- an issue everywhere. I think goaltending's been an issue, defending's been an issue. You know, Steve Eiserman a few weeks ago on TNT, you know, he gave his thoughts, and you know, it was interesting hearing from the general manager of the, of the Red Wings and a guy that's obviously in the Hall of Fame knows a lot about the game. You know, everything is about offense now. Even the defense, the defensemen are wanting to be more like Kale McCars. It starts with youth hockey where everything is just skill development and wanting to score more goals. And the art of just kind of like being a Jay Bo Meester shutdown type of guy, it's kind of a lost art. So it, there, there's few and far between defensemen left in the league that can do it. You know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily something that you need to go out and grab at the deadline. I know it could be frustrating at times like last night you know you see a couple of those turnovers in that Calgary game that hurt you in the third period you lose that game and defending has been a problem the blues have been allowing a lot of goals I get that but at the same time you know you got to keep an eye on players that are coming back Nick Letty he skated yesterday he's got an upper body injury but the fact that he's on the ice to me he's a week away or so hopefully sooner you know, you have Marco Scandella also skating. You want to talk about a big time, a big defenseman that can shut down and play defensive hockey there. Just a big body takes up space. He's coming back hopefully within a month or so, probably around that deadline time. So you're getting released there. Nico Mikula, you know, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this year. You know, he's been doing a great job with Colton Preco up there. Two big bodies are hard to move. I they were great again last night. Nothing they did really hurt them in that game. They've been doing a good job against other teams' top lines. So for for me, you know, as far as you know, what do you add? It, it a lot depends on what you lose at the deadline too. I mean, that's that, that's going to be so much of it. But from a defenseman standpoint, you know, it's Letty around the corner. Nico Mikola has been doing a great job on that top pair, and then don't forget about Marco Scandella, who is been skating and hopefully we'll be seeing we'll be seeing him here pretty soon too.
2: Joey, there's a reason that the guys that were in Springfield were in Springfield. And I always, when you lose your best players, I always look at it kind of like you're driving around. On a spare tire, and it's not built. A spare tire is not built to go a hundred thousand miles. It's it's built to go for a day or two. So, I, my question of you is: Have any of these guys made you think they're more than just spare tires?
5: Yeah, it, it's it's really, actually a really good analogy, Randy. And that's where you know when they started that that road trip, or at least when when Ryan O'Reilly and Terra Single initially went down, they came back to St. Louis four and one. They turned it into five to five and one after that first Calgary win on Tuesday. So here, here here's this team, five and one, without Krug, O'Reilly, and going, and they beg the question, and a lot of fans are like, well, I guess we don't need them. Well, they Well, pump the brakes a little bit, because like you said, to me, that five and one stretch, that was like maybe, let's call it you know, 10, 20 miles, just to get to the dealership to change the tire, because now you're going to really start to see the bumps and the bruises, the fatigue of these young players. You know, I think when you get called up, there's a lot of excitement, right? I mean, how often do we see, you know, baseball players come to the play for the first time and hit a homer or, or a hockey player in his first game, get a, get a goal in his first shift. Right. There is, there is something to be said about, you know, uh, when you enter something, you're going to have, you're going to have success right away. There's actually a thing called beginner's luck, which, which we've all heard this. We've all heard this term. There's actually a lot of science behind this idea of beginner's luck. And I, and I actually have to go back to this book where I read this, but there's actually, you know, legit, factual, like, tendencies with people who start things for the first time where they find success right away. So, you know, you take, you take a kid fishing. You see this a lot in fishing. Or you take, you know, I don't want to bring little Susie. Susie's right, your old little sister. I don't want to bring Susie. Dad, don't bring Susie. She's just going to make noise. Da, da, da. And what happens? What happens? You know, we all know it. What happens in the, in the fishing trip? Susie catches a monster. She catches the biggest one, right? And we think, oh, beginner's luck. Well, it's actually the world's way of finding someone that is doing something for the first time, and they want to grab them. Like you want, it, it's, it's the world's way of grabbing them, getting enough attention, and having success right away. Well, then they're going to say, Oh, wow, this is pretty cool. Because think about it. If, if every time you try something new, you didn't have success, well, then no one would do anything, right? You wouldn't want to do anything new right, because right. You're, already not, you're, already not, you're already not interested in it. Like, no one's interested in it, right? But if you, if you want to make sourdough bread and you're like, oh, I don't really know, but if that first loaf turns out great, well, at least you're giving yourself a chance. But if it turns out like crud, you're like, Well, heck with this. This is a waste of my time. You're never going to try anything. So, and I bring that up because when you have call-up guys, you're going to have success. Like you're going to, you're going to have success right away. And that's, and that's kind of the world's way of kind of pulling you in and saying, Hey, this, this is a good thing for you. But over time, as we say, you know, the cream, the cream will come to the top and they're going to be starting to play more minutes. And it's a tough league. It's a fast league. Things happen very quickly. You talk to some of these young players. What's the biggest difference? You just got to make reads so incredibly quickly because there's just not a lot of time and space out there. So that wears on your mind. That wears on the psychology. So eventually, you're going to have you're going to have things kind of plateau. If I if I could say anything about to answer your question, I think Nikita Alexandrov to me, he is starting to appear more and more as a player that is going to be a full-time Blues uh, on the roster, uh, on the Blues team next season. I think he's going to be here for the rest of the year. I think he's going to be up and down. I think he's going to be a healthy scratch once the Blues get you know healthy here pretty soon. But aside from that, he, here's a player that has done well enough in my mind where he's going to be a full-time player definitely by next year, night in, night out. I don't think you're going to see him scratch very much. Uh, his speed, his intensity, he just makes great reads. You know, Craig Berube said every time he touches the puck, he treats it like gold. He's just very good about it. He doesn't turn pucks over. He makes a simple play when you need. He just got a really high, high intelligence when it comes to the sport of hockey. His dad, of course, was a former professional, so, you know, it runs in his veins. Uh, and with his reads, his IQ, and his compete, you know, for a young kid who's quiet, just, just goes about his business, plays a very team game, I'm very impressed with him and what I've seen so far this season. And, and I do expect to see him in and out through this stretch of the rest of this season and certainly a full-timer come next year.
2: Joey, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We'll be tuned in tomorrow night for the Blues and the Lightning here on 101 ESPN. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Terry. You guys have a great weekend now. You too, thanks. That's. The great Joe Vitale joining us on 101 ESPN. By the way, tonight you can stream the Blues inaugural Hall of Fame induction. Just go to stlblues.com as the Blues will induct Red Berenson, Scotty Bowman, Glenn Hall, and Gary Unger to their first Hall of Fame induction. They join people that are already in the Hall of Fame, Bernie Federico, uh, Brett Hall, Dan Kelly, Al McKinnis, and then other noted Blues who have had their numbers retired like Bob Gassoff, Bark Plager, Bobby Plager, uh, and several others, Chris Pronger. It'll be a great night, and you can stream it on the Blues website, stlblues.com, for their inaugural Hall of Fame induction. Coming up, it's The Fight on 101 ESPN. You're back to the
0: Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN,
1: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to The
0: Fight!
3: back to the opening drive i'm carrie davis joined by matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight and our fighter today is ben ben how are you doing this morning i'm doing great carrie how are you doing buddy i am doing well are you are you excited to take on megamind uh excited wouldn't be the word
8: but uh <laughs> but, but I, i'm ready You're i'm ready? ready i've i've I faced Randy. It's been uh, it's been about five years ago, maybe when he was on the fast lane. I faced him, okay. and uh, and he kind of took me down through there, if you know what I mean. And
3: uh, well, is, I, you're, you're back, Ben, with an opportunity to uh, you know redeem yourself. I am. I am. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm right. ready. Here we go. Of the four big sports leagues, which one? Which is the only one to not hold an All Star game in St. Louis? NFL, NBA, or NHL?
8: Uh, Well, we know NHL has. We know MLB has. uh, I'm going to say they probably I don't know if the NBA has. uh, And I don't remember. So it's got to be between NFL and, and NBA, right? So... I will go NFL. I think that's kind of, I think maybe back in the 80s. I don't think the Cardinals did. I'll go NFL. All right. Which current Eastern Conference scorer holds the NBA record
4: for the most missed threes in a single game with 16? Was that Kevin Durant, Jalen Brown, or James Harden?
8: Okay. Could you repeat that, please? Uh, Which
4: current Eastern Conference scorer holds the NBA record for most missed threes in a single game with 16? Was it Kevin Durant, Jalen Brown, or James Harden?
8: Let's go Kevin Durant. Hey, can we go back to the first question? Yeah, sure. What's up, Ben? Okay. I think I I messed up. Now, you gave me three options, correct? Yes, sir.
4: Your options were the NFL, the NBA, or the NHL.
8: Okay, NFL, yeah. I'm right. I'm I don't know if I'm right, but okay, I'm good.
3: I'm hey, what, what was your answer for number 2? Uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Okay. All right, Marty Schottenheimer has one of the most confusing careers in NFL history, getting fired by four different teams despite only two le- losing seasons in 21 as a head coach. Which team did Marty coach for? Which team did Marty coach for one year between his stints in Kansas City and San Diego and being fired after that one season there at 8-8? Eight was it the Cleveland Browns, the Oakland Raiders, or the Washington Redskins slash Commanders?
8: Uh I'm gonna go with Redskins slash Commanders.
4: All right, Ben, and who is the last NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl that same season? Is it Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, or Drew
8: Brees? Oh man. Let's see, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I will go with. I don't know. I think Kurt Warner.
6: Drew, I'll go with Drew Brees.
4: All right, we'll double check our score and bring
3: in Randy Character. How you feeling, Ben? Uh, I don't know. Uh Not great. <laughs> not great. Well, <laughs> I, you know, you you went back to question one. where were you were you? Confused about your answer, or, or you just wanted to hear the, the choices again?
8: No, I I thought, I don't know, I just kind of, got I, I don't know, I was thinking too much, I think. <laughs> some, I think, Terry, I some, was thinking too much. Sometimes,
3: sometimes it happens. Randy, say hello to Ben. Ben, good morning, how you doing?
8: Good morning, Randy, I'm great. How you doing, my
3: friend? Doing
2: well, I thanks,
8: thanks I, for listening. I don't know, if we're not really friends, friends, but I always say, my friend Randy, whenever I speak of you,
3: That's very nice. Appreciate that. Said he played Uh you about five years ago in the fast lane and and took a nail. So Uh, he's back for uh, for redemption. Good to have you back. (laughs) (laughs) Good to be back. Good to be back. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. Of the four sports leagues, of the four major sports leagues, which is the only one not to hold an all-star game in St. Louis?
2: Well, there's never been a Pro Bowl in St. Louis, so I will go with the NFL. Four major pro sports leagues, right? Um... There's been a baseball and there's been a hockey. I'm guessing that the Hawks probably at some point had one. And uh, I don't I don't remember an NFL All-Star game. They used to do like an All-Star thing with college All-Stars against the champions. But uh, I don't recall them. Well, I can guarantee you this. From 1960 on, there hasn't been one from when the football Cardinals came to town. So I'm going to say the NFL.
3: And college all star versus the champions. Of- the
2: Super Bowl champions. Really? Yeah. Used to How have that every that? year, like in August. Really? Yeah, it was pretty cool.
4: Hmm. Be pretty awesome. They don't need to do that again. <laughs> uh, Randy, which current Eastern Conference scorer holds the NBA record for the most missed threes in a single game with sixteen?
2: Wow. So I'm I'm just gonna go chalk here. Because I know James Harden has the all-time record for most missed threes. So I'm going to go with Harden simply because he has that record. I'm going to say that he's probably got the most in a game, too. All right, Randy.
3: Martin, Marty Schottenheimer has one of the most confusing careers in NFL history, getting fired by four different teams despite only two losing seasons in 21 as a head coach. Which team did Marty coach for one year between his stints with Kansas City mm-hmm. and San Diego being fired after one
2: 8-8 eight eight season? The worst mistake Dan Snyder ever made, right? Uh, he was with the, the Washington Redskins, and he fired Marty in favor of Steve Spurrier. No ball, of and they were on their way, too. I think they started off something like 0-5, got to 8-8. and 8. He had it going, and they fired him because Dan Snyder wanted Steve Spurrier. What a joke, eh? Eh. <laughs>
4: Who was the last NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl that same season?
2: I think it still might be Kurt. As of a few years ago, it was still Kurt Warner. I don't think Brady ever did. I don't think Manning won when he threw the 55 touchdown passes. I think that's when they lost to Seattle. Rodgers hasn't, and he's won a bunch in a row. I'm going to go Kurt Warner, and that's
4: a long time ago. We have a winner of this fight, and the big question here is... Did Randy Carricker go 51 out of 52 weeks without letting up a Hall of Famer? And you have another clean week here. Next week it'll be a full 52, potentially, Randy, without you putting in a Hall of Famer, a full calendar year. Woo. But did Ben potentially start the run with the first win of three? Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Oh, winner.
0: Still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by mobile
1: on the run. Join the on the run STL wash club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app
4: today. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Ben. You heard Mr. Buck there, and that means that Randy Carricker got all four right. But you put in a good
8: showing, a 4-2 to two win for Randy Carricker over Ben. Sorry about that, Ben. That's all right. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh... Carrie, Randy, keep up the great work and uh We'll keep listening down here in Bontairn, Missouri. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate
4: it. There it is. Have a great weekend. You got all the answers, but just in case you missed any, here we go. Of the big four sports leagues, which is the only one not to hold an All-Star game in St. Louis, it was, of course, the NFL they held on this day in 1955 was the NBA All-Star game held in St. Louis, Missouri. That obviously completes the other three. It wasn't until uh, Wrigley Field held uh, a Pro Bowl, and there were a couple around the NFL until they started going to... um, really LA in the 60s and then uh, the 70s is when they started going to Hawaii but there were a couple there in the in the 50s and 60s where they were around the NFL. Cincinnati had one. Minnesota had one. Like I said Chicago held one as well. Uh, which Eastern Conference scorer holds the NBA record for the most missed threes in a single game? It was in fact James Harden. He went 1-17 in in a game where he also <laughs> set a couple scoring records for the Houston Rockets. It was kind of crazy when he did it. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, one of the most confusing careers. Randy, this is insane. Two losing seasons in 21 years he got fired four different times he had a losing season one of those four times the times he got fired 8-8 8-8 eight eight by the Washington Redskins, the answer to the question. He was 10-6 when he got fired from the Browns. He went he went 7-9 and nine after a 13-3 year in Kansas City when they agreed to let him go. And then, of course, 14-2. One of four, of four firings, he actually had a losing season and it was a 7-9 and nine year. Insane stories around Marty, Marty Schottenheimer. And then, of course, the last NFL MVP to win the Super Bowl in the same season, all the way back to Kurt Warner in 1999. Somehow, so what, six Super Bowls and four MVPs for Brady never lined up at any point? Kurt won the last MVP to win the Super Bowl.
2: And 14-win. the last time the college all stars, it was called the Chicago uh, College All Star Game. The last time they played was 1976. The Steelers trounced the college all stars 24 to nothing. That Ooh. could not have been a fun day for the who college all stars. I would love to know who was on that college team. Well, We'll get Dan Dierdorf on sometime to talk about the group that he played with in 1971 because they wound up having like 10 Hall of Famers. Really? Yeah, on that college All-Star team. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. And they played the Colts. The, the Steelers obviously had tons of Hall of Famers. Yeah. <laughs> college All-Star team against the Steelers probably was not very fun. Yeah. Kerry, Randy, Matthew, coming up. Uh, so, what are the the NFL jobs that you avoid at almost all costs? That's next on 101 ESPN
0: back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented
1: by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
6: I wouldn't go into it. I, w- I wouldn't take the job. No, I would not take that job. I think anytime you got a quarterback that you're paying that much money and and he's got all the chips and he he's he's controlling everything about that situation that's not a good thing the personality there's you know I, i'd have to meet with him sit down talk to him for a long time before you could convince me that that's a good job to take
2: That is former Rams head coach Mike Martz talking about the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job, which is a blank show right now because you are stuck with Kyler Murray and you don't know what Kyler Murray is. And like Mike said, I'd have to sit down and have a long meeting with him. But we do know that the Cardinals saw fit to include a clause in his contract that required him to watch a certain amount of Mm -hmm. tape. And they were going to monitor how much tape he did watch. And C.D., Arizona Cardinals aren't the only job in the NFL where if I'm a prospective head coach and everybody's coming after me, that that would be the last one on my list. I think that
3: one. I mean, Denver might be the one of the better ones. Minus, you know, if you can get Russell Wilson back to to being the the successful quarterback that he's been throughout his entire career, I think last year was just one of those years. You kind of like a blip on the radar, and you just you you bypass that and get back to get back to work. I don't know. I think Kyler Murray, if healthy and when healthy, and the pieces that they have around them in Arizona is a much better situation right now than what I think would be in Indianapolis if, if they decide to go in a different direction with, uh, with Jeff Saturday. Trying to figure out, you have an owner who... Medals just a little last bit. He kind of he he kind of gets involved. You don't know who they have had quarterback after quarterback after quarterback in the last three seasons trying to figure out who is going to be their guy since Andrew Luck left. I think you want to go into a situation. The the worst shows are going to be the places where the quarterback is the biggest question, and that would be in Indianapolis and in Carolina. You you have quarterback questions in those two places, and if you are a coach. You understand that this NFL game
2: is based solely off of how well your quarterback can play. But prospective coaches always say, I'm looking for the owner and the quarterback. At least Ursay has a history yeah. of being yeah. patient and being good. And we don't know yet about Denver. I think Arizona now, because you, like Mike said... The quarterback's in control there at the moment. And he's hurt. Yeah, You got got some time where he's not even going to be playing next season. To me, the scariest one is Houston. Because that's an owner that's never done one thing right. Since Bob McNair died and Cal McNair took over as owner, Houston's ownership has done nothing right. And they don't have the quarterback. And even off the field, like... uh, Having the the setup to allow Deshaun Watson to do what he did mm-hmm. with the NDAs and things like that, that just seems like a a really difficult situation to navigate and make a positive.
3: Yeah, yeah, really messy. And and if the reports are true that they told Lovey that they were going to fire him before the game, uh, the night before the, he, that he he would be done after this year. He went out and and won the game to make sure that they didn't get the number one overall pick. Kudos to him for that. But you know, it it, it just speaks to. As you said, an organization that is going on their fourth head coach in three seasons, is mm-hmm. that, or four seasons, they are—they are. They are- they have no clue in which direction they want to go. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, the quarterback, the franchise quarterback that they had, you spoke to Deshaun Watson. They gave him, allowed him to have NDAs to do pretty much do whatever you wanted to do. And now he's no longer there with that franchise. Um, they are an, an organization in disarray and trying to figure out. Brandon Cooks has been trying. He was distraught when he didn't get traded at the trade deadline. He wanted to get the heck out of yeah. there. He did not want to be there and deal with what was going on there. Um, and so, yeah, they are a team and an organization that. Is probably <laughs> they might be number one ahead of ahead of you know Arizona
2: or or Indianapolis. So I'm staying away from Houston. I'm staying away from Arizona. I'm willing to give the Denver ownership the the benefit of the doubt. I need a lot of power, and this is a job that's filled right now. But I think Vegas is a mess with Mark Davis. Yeah, I don't think that they'll ever win. But I think the other one, and you think that they're turning things around, and I know they went out and got the quarterback. But I still would stay away from Cleveland.
3: Yeah, they, they are. They, I mean, they they're in a tough division as well. Cleveland
2: and the Jets, I think, are the two
3: the two organizations the that the tend way. to tend to not do it correctly yeah. for for extended period of time. Yeah, I think they are. They are. They have all of the pieces in in Cleveland, but Deshaun Watson missing so much time. You really saw the rust on him when he tried to come back this year and play. It was not to the level, not even close to the level, that we were accustomed to seeing him play uh, in Houston. Let me give you
2: one more. You are Sean Payton. You've won a Super Bowl. You're the most sought-after guy. And for whatever reason, the Washington job is open. And Dan Snyder calls and says, Hey, Kerry, you got a great deal of history. I want to win badly here. Can we talk? Can I interview you?
3: Uh, eh. How long are you gonna be? Because I've heard that you're not gonna be here much I'm longer. Sticking around. So you're gonna be here. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll pass right now. I appreciate <laughs> I think the offer so too.
2: Yeah. I, and to go eight, eight, and one like Ron Rivera did with that organization yeah. is amazing. Yeah.
3: he's a, he's an outstanding man. Like I said, from all of the things that I've heard about him, just his character, how he handles himself, you know, and the type of coach that he is. Players want to play for him and they love him. And you know, it's it's you're hoping that he can get that going in the right direction but it all starts at the top, making sure the guys are doing the right thing.
2: And when you look at the teams that are in the playoffs now, Kansas City, that's a really good, well-run yep. organization. Philadelphia, really well-run. They've had some dysfunction in the past, but they will wind up getting it right. Uh-huh. So I think that Lurie, despite the turnover at times, he, he knows how to get it right. He's just kind of impatient when it doesn't go right. The Pagulas have done a really good job since they took over in Buffalo. The York family, the Will family, very rarely do they have a losing record. I don't think the Browns, I don't think the Bengals, the Brown family have necessarily figured things out. They just fell into Joe Burrow.
3: Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, they, and they fell into Jamar Chase the following year because Joe Burrow was out for the entire season. Yeah, his rookie yeah, year. Right. So you you fall into two very good players
2: back to back years, and and that kind of sets your franchise in the correct direction. So just no surprise that the top of the top half dozen and the bottom half dozen they seem to wind up in the same place every year. People, Bengals are just now building an indoor facility. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's 2020 That's a bad ownership. <laughs> that's really that, that's yeah, you, you don't. Yeah, that's just a bad one. <laughs> yeah. just bad. You know that's the worst stadium deal, maybe in the history of stadium really? deals. Yeah, that's a really bad wow. stadium deal, too. That's Carrie, I'm Randy. That's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, we're gonna to talk to blues forward Robert Thomas. Stick around.
0: You are back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Thomas score! Getting you inside the blues locker room. 20- It's time now for Blues Forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive.
1: Driven by pure performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs.
2: With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Robert Thomas, number 18 for the St. Louis Blues, number one in your heart. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? Good. Hey, we were having a discussion this morning about sleep science and what the medical people tell you about sleeping. And I, I guess especially for a young guy like you, how seriously do you take that? Like, do you lay out how many hours of sleep you have to get in a night?
7: Uh, I'm not I'm not that particular. Um, I'm kind of just a go-with-the-feel kind of guy. But uh, I do love my naps, so uh, pretty much every day I get a good nap and
3: are you a 20-minute napper or, or hour, two-hour napper? Yeah, no, I'm, a, I'm an hour, two-hour guy. <laughs> those, are, those are good naps. Now, I, I wanted to ask you, have you ever done one of those hyperbaric chambers to, to get rest, to get oxygen to sleep in? Have you ever have seen that or done that?
7: I've seen it, but I've uh, I've actually never done it. No,
3: I, I am I have never either. I'm extremely claustrophobic, and I think I would be trying to tear <laughs> out of that thing if I were to lay in it. I had some teammates that were, you know, really really heavily into it, and I I never never got into it, Randy and, and Robert, because it was just it's so small, and I- I'm so fearful of of being in small spaces. <laughs> so it was it would have <laughs> yeah. been tough for me to get in there.
7: Oh, yeah. I've had to lay in that MRI machine a couple times. Yeah. Fun, so I'll pass on that one.
3: I, I have to take medication to get in the MRI machine.
2: Otherwise, I will tear that <laughs> apart as well.
7: Oh, yeah. Hey,
2: Robert, the uh, the old Rams running back, Steven Jackson, used to get in a chamber before the Rams would play in the altitude in Denver. Does the altitude, like last year when you were playing them in the playoffs, when you go and play at Ball Arena, does the altitude affect you when you first get there? Yeah,
7: 100%. It's um, definitely a, a huge factor. Um, you, you know, in the playoffs, especially when you're there for a couple days, that's when you notice it the most. Um, usually when you're, you fly in the day before and play and get out of there, um, you still feel it um, throughout the game, but... It's a, that third and fourth day that just are really hard to get through.
3: Yeah, that was I, we were fortunate, obviously, just to play one day and get out of there. But when my first time playing in Denver, I thought it was a myth when everyone, oh, you're not going to be able to breathe, and you really get out there and you're sucking air more than you ever have in in your life, and you're trying to figure out, well, what the heck is going on here?
7: <laughs> oh yeah, there's a couple of times even you, you know you get a long shift in the D zone, and especially their team, they're they're fast and. Um, you just you come to the bench and you're like I can't even you can't even breathe no, this might be it <laughs> yeah.
2: Robert Thomas with us on 101 ESPN hey we want to ask about the play last night that led to their second goal uh, Craig Ruby talked about it after the game And because we've never played we don't know what you're seeing or what you're trying to accomplish and obviously it didn't work out great but can you just kind of take us through what happens in a, on a play like that
7: yeah, yeah it obviously sucks um you know, that was, that was a mistake on my part. Um, you know, I see a guy going up the middle and uh, made that play a bunch of times throughout the game. And uh, unfortunately, it hits a stick and just kind of lands on someone else's stick. So, um, yeah, it sucks. And, you know, it's my fault. It's a bad play. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of all you got to it.
2: The thing is, though, if you connect on the pass and it turns into a goal, then all of a sudden it's a great play and it doesn't suck, right? <laughs>
7: Yeah, that's the, that's the game of sports right there.
3: That's kind of the fine line between, you know, making those decisions. You you, you always want to be the playmaker you know you can be. Uh, when it doesn't go well, it's a bit frustrating, but normally, you know, especially being the uh, the player that you are, you feel like everything is going to go the right way when you make that decision.
7: Yeah, yeah, especially you know, games moving 100 miles an hour, and mm-hmm. you know, you see your play, and you got to try and trust your gut. and um, You know, that's what I tried to do, and yeah, like I said, it's, uh, it's a terrible outcome, and it definitely
3: hurts. Hey, Robert, I want to go back to Tuesday night. You all uh, won the game in overtime. You got the game winning goal, but you had the go ahead goal taken off of the boards. How, how frustrated were you when that happened? And has that ever happened to you, where you think you take the goal, you you, you hit the goal winning goal go, game winning goal is taken away, and you get an opportunity later in the game? Yeah, no,
7: I think that's the first for me with with that kind of situation. Uh, definitely had goals taken away and those suck. Um, (laughs) but yeah, um, no, it was kind of, kind of crazy. Even though, you know, it was taken away, I still was pretty confident in the team. We were playing really well and, and really pushing and, uh, knew the time would come again. And, um, yeah, luckily the second one didn't get called back.
2: As a group, you guys have played really well without some of your key guys in there. What's different? when you bring a new group of guys in, what what's different when these youngsters are are coming in 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 the room and on the ice? Yeah, I
7: think uh I think a couple things, I think, you know, these youngsters have really stepped up. I mean, Nikki's playing awesome, you know, you look at anyone who stepped up in the lineup, Tucker, Santini, Neighbors, uh I mean, all those guys have been really well, playing really well. And, um, you know, they brought a new kind of life to the team. And um, I think just as a team, we've really come together the last, you know, 12, 15 games. You look at our record, it's been been pretty good and we've been trending in the right direction. So um, I think we just got to continue with that. And, um, you know, last night was on me, but, um, you know, as we move forward, it'll, uh, you know, we just got to keep on pushing.
3: Hey, Robert, I, I heard that you met a young man prior to the first uh, Flames game and promised him you would hit a game-winning goal. Does that uh, – well, he you would get a goal for him. Does that add any pressure to you uh, when you're trying to score a goal for a young man after you made that promise?
7: Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I was definitely shooting a lot more uh, that game, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it couldn't have ended better and – uh you know, I was happy it kind of worked out that way.
2: Yeah, one of our co-workers here, Tim McKernan, was friends with Leon Williams who passed away at the age of 44 and he left behind wife Katie, son Landon, and daughter Keeley. So Landon is brought to the game by the Blues the other night and he had a chance to meet both Robert Thomas and Ryan O'Reilly and, and you told Landon, hey, I'm going to try to score one for you tonight. And that's one of the cool things about being a pro athlete, isn't it? That you can, you can make somebody's day, their month, their year just by meeting with them. But then when you make a promise like that? What kind of feeling is it? And how soon after you won did you think about that?
7: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty cool opportunity for me. Um, you know, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what he's going through, but if I could try and brighten his day up anyway, I can. Uh, you know, it's, it's something cool about the, the area we're in and we have the opportunity to do that, so um, you know, it was pretty, pretty cool, pretty cool story. And, um, yeah, you know, right after I was walking off, I saw him there in the, in the lounge. And, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool.
3: I think that's one of the best things about being a pro athlete is the kids you get to meet, uh, the 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 lives you get to impact, and and you know I, there are kids that grow are going to grow up watching you and just remember you, you know, throughout their entire child. You're going to be a part of their their fabric that that really makes what their childhood is. So I think that's awesome for you to do that, and and for that young man, I'm sure he's going to remember that for the rest of his life.
7: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, growing up watching watching sports and watching hockey in Toronto. Um, you know, you you remember those those moments that stick with you, and um, you know that's why you know I'm fortunate to be in the situation I am, and you got to try and do everything you can to to do that to the next generation.
2: Hey, Robert, one of the moments that will stick with Blues fans forever was May seventh of. Uh... 2019, when you and Pat Maroon connected for the game winner in Game 7. So, in Blue's lore, Robert Thomas and the Big Rig are always <laughs> going to be connected. So, he comes into town tomorrow night. Do you still have much contact with with the Big Rig, and what's it like when you get to play against him?
7: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we always stay in touch, and um, usually, on, you know, we're down in Tampa, or he's in town, we usually see each other. It's a little harder, because he's got so much family here, but um, even in the summer, a couple times i will end up seeing him. So, uh, yeah, he's a he's obviously a big part of that run and a big part of the city, and obviously a great person. And um, so, yeah, it'll be be fun playing against them. Uh, I'll try and stay out of the corners with them. He's a <laughs> Smart move. And, um, yeah, no, it'll be great. It's always fun seeing uh,
2: seeing him in town. Hey, Robert Thomas, always good to hear from you. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. See you guys. See you later. Take care. That is Blues forward Robert Thomas with the Psalm One Hundred and One ESPN.
3: Uh, he's uh, he they, you know he's playing really well. They're playing really well. He's uh, I, I appreciate people that can own up and you know I made a mistake. It was a crucial point of the game. He's very open, very honest. That to me is is leadership and what what gets you and your team to to win games when you can own up to a mistake and say you know what I I made that won't happen again, fellas. I got you. And and those thing, are the things we we as teammates love and. and
2: what makes you? What gives you the ability, as an athlete, if you have the personality to hold others accountable, is to hold yourself yep, accountable first. Indeed.
3: you you have to look at yourself first and see what you have could have done better to make the game uh, better, to win the game, or or you know make less mistakes before you start pointing fingers at other people. Always start
2: with yourself, and and especially in in everything, Randy, but mm-hmm. in sports specifically. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, as the Cardinals approach spring training, and we're just a month away from the start of spring training, we're going to start running down some of the Cardinal players and find out whether they're a stud or a dud. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're
0: back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs
1: Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive time for Today's Big
4: thing. This is in the
0: right
2: field. new Bar closes. Dives.
0: Did he trap it or make the catch? He made the catch.
2: In the air towards the left field corner. Pretty well struck.
4: That one is
0: good. Just tucked it in over the wall. The 0-2. Ground ball left side, base hit against the shift, the throw by Nupar, a straight to the plate!
4: Oh, he got him, it's an outfield assist with the game on the
0: line.
4: Newpar with a drive and a deep right center. It's at the wall, gone! Second consecutive game for Newt with a two-run blast. And the Cardinals lead it,
0: 5
2: nothing. Lars Nubar had a superb season for the Cardinals in his first full season in Major League Baseball. Of course, he had come up during the course of the 2021 season, but in 2022, kind of a breakout. He had a 340 on base, 448 slug for a 788 OPS. He was better in the second half of the season. He wound up with 14 homers and 40 RBIs. And... Well, a lot of us, Kerry, have questions about Lars Knutbar, the Cardinals don't appear to be. They appear to be all in on Lars Newtbar, who had, as we mentioned, by analytics accounts and statistical accounts, a terrific first full season.
3: Yeah, he he did. And I think, um, so we we got this as stud or dud, right? And yeah. I, I believe that uh, if you're going into the season and and you're going to say that Lars Newtbar is your starting right fielder, I think he's gonna be a stud. I think you look at his numbers. As you said, he was around seven. What was his OPS last year? Seven eighty-eight. Yes. So he'll be if if, depending on you know if he's starting every day, you're gonna get more plate attempts. You're gonna get more opportunities. You're playing more games. He played in 108 games last year. you expect that number to be around 130 135 yep. you, and so um i think his ops will be above 800 and i think he'll be a 20 home run 20 to 23 24 home run type of guy with the added uh plate attempts and and, and the added uh appearances at the plate and if you are nuke bar if you are if you are the Cardinals and you're getting that production from your right field we we still don't know when or if Uh, Jordan Walker is going to be here we still don't know when or if um, Tyler O'Neill is going to be healthy healthy. so at some point throughout the entire season that rotation in the outfield you should look at Lars Newbar to get that many plate attempts that many games and that many opportunities and if you're getting 20 to 24 home runs from your from your 7th hitter is that probably what he's batting you're, you're having a pretty good
2: year it wouldn't break my heart to see him hitting first or second, and for a time okay. last year, uh, the problem that the Cardinals would have, I would think, would be having back-to-back left-handers. If indeed the lead-off hitter winds up being uh, Donovan, but mm-hmm. if you want to move Donovan down, maybe have Newbar lead off and Carlson hit second. I mentioned the second half last year. Carl uh, Newbar with an 846 OPS after the break last mm-hmm. year. 10 of his 14 home runs, 12 of his, of his 16 doubles. He, he was dynamic after the break. And I do think he's a stud. And by the way, he, he has caught the attention of the fans because in a fan vote at MLB.com, Aaron Judge was listed as the number one right fielder, Bryce Harper was listed as number two. Mookie Betts as number three. Lars Nupar listed by the fans as the fourth best right fielder, ahead of Ronald Acuna, ahead of Kyle Tucker, ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr., ahead of Adolis Garcia, former Cardinal. Mm-hmm ahead of Nick Castellanos. That's a pretty substantial group. Now, I'm sure the Cardinal fans weighed in heavily with the vote here, <laughs> but for Lars Zubar to be recognized as number four on that list, pretty impressive. Yeah, you're, you're going to see his
3: numbers go up the more he plays, obviously, and the more opportunities, he, opportunities that he gets. He's a young man that doesn't feel, um, you know, too bothered by the moment. I, I think when you watched him, I, I talked about it a lot during the season, just the relationship you saw in the dugout with him and Albert Pujols. Just, just really, every time something was happening, Albert was right there to celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, the hit or the run scored or whatever the case may be. And I think Lars Newbar gained a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. Sometimes you don't have to hear anything from, from a, a great player. You can just watch them and learn a lot. But obviously they had those conversations and there are things that he's learned. And with the with the opportunities, 25 years old, you know, starting every day in right field. Getting those plate appearances. If he's at the top of the lineup, you're going to get even more plate appearances. And so you're you're looking at a guy that I think is going to be uh, a very a very good piece for this for this Cardinals team. And like I said, even with uh, if Jordan Walker were to come up, there's going to be some injuries in that outfield. We've mm-hmm. seen it. We've been a part of it. We've watched it for the past few years. And so you'll have an opportunity to start pretty much every 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 opportunity you can every game you can.
2: New to last year 90 and this is from Derek Gould's great piece at stltoday.com 98th percentile for walks and the 90th percentile for average exit velocity. So yeah, I'm and with the, the defensive ability,
3: he's yeah. a stud. Yeah, he's going to be a very good very good baseball player and I think that's why when you look at this Cardinals team why there is no rush or no need to go out and get another bat. Or we talked about what else they needed. They got the catcher. That was obviously one thing that they needed. But what does the, the middle infield look like? Or what does center field look like? You got some players out there, when healthy, can be very good baseball players. And you got a guy that is waiting in the wings to come up. We don't know. We're we're waiting with anticipation. It's like almost like you know, waiting a kid waiting for Christmas Day, just yeah. waiting to see when and what gifts are going to be under the tree when
2: when he gets here. And the cool thing for Cardinal youngsters, because Newt Barr and Arenado and Goldie and Michaelis and Wainwright are all playing in the World Baseball Classic. I think there's one other one that I'm uh, missing here. But young players are going to get an opportunity. Young pitchers are going to mm-hmm. get an opportunity because Waino and Michaelis aren't there. Jordan Walker We'll see more of him Because Newt Bar Isn't there right. In spring training So there will be Some guys that Didn't expect Last year at this time To get a spring training uh, Shot in 2023 But they will That's Kerry I, Yeah we uh, Is he He's your, your Starting right fielder Right now On opening day Yeah Yep. Okay. He, it's it's O'Neal a hel, It's a healthy O'Neill. It's Carlson It's Newt Bar There you go That's Kerry I'm Randy Coming up We've got rock and roll Here on 101 ESPN
0: you To the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented
1: by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Let's rock. Let's rock
2: today. All right. It is time to rock and to roll. Matthew Rocky, what do you uh, got for
4: us? So we we, we changed up instead of doing a, uh, some some little stories, I thought we uh, we're gonna get into a little debate we had off 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 the mics because. Kerry's salivating, I think, right <laughs> now to get into it, which essentially, before the show, we always get into a lot of different debates, and lately, Kerry, the old head that he is, has been harping on the NBA this like the true. old heads like to do, and I, being the young whippersnapper that I am, just can't stand for it, and so today, Kerry brought up a top ten list in NBA history, and that brought back my argument from two weeks ago, which you guys had very kindly forgotten. I'm just going to bring back up anyway, where I said that Kobe Bryant might have been one of the most overrated players in sports history. My, my argument being some people are going to put him in the top 10, and I say he shouldn't be in the top 10. Now, we were too busy reacting off Derek Jeter being the overrated I mean, baseball player was. in baseball history. I might have got a little bit hyperbolic when I made a statement that Kobe might not is is probably just top 25. I was wrong there, Carrie. I can oh. make a culpa about that now. That's two days in a row, Ryder. But, you got that? But as we go into this, Carrie want to talk about a top 10 list NBA all-time, because who hasn't had this topic before? <sighs> but Gary, I'm gonna tell you right now, Kobe's not in my top 10. I'm still, I'm still, I'm staunchly,
3: I'm stubbornly sticking with this one. Kobe is not in my top 10. Randy, you are a man of of wisdom. You have been in this sports arena for for a few decades. You understand? 40? Yeah, 40, 40 years this year, yeah. You've been doing this for for a for a pretty long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you've seen a lot of great players, a lot of uh, great basketball baseball hockey football you, you've seen it with your own eyes is there any list and, and and you're also a very intelligent man because not only do you use your eyes you use your your brain and search and do research has there have you or any one of the great people and great um, websites that you've searched have any of them presented as Kobe Bryant being a top 15 well we started at top 25 we worked our way down but a top 15 player in NBA
2: history Carrie let me start with this okay <laughs> I didn't like Kobe Bryant as a player yeah. I, I I was not a fan all right right but I was also objective enough to recognize his greatness did i think it was preposterous for people to compare him to michael jordan i thought it was preposterous but i also wasn't shallow or hard-headed enough to fail to recognize that he's a top 10 player of all time mm-hmm. because when his career ended any rational observer would have to say that he's a top 10 player of all time when you combine the achievements the the rings the way he went about his business, the competitiveness, the leadership, the fact that on the Redeem team, who was the guy that everybody looked up to among all of those guys, including LeBron James, by the way? Yeah. They, they all looked up to Kobe Bryant. Yes. So I, I'm just trying to take a rational view of this and try to figure out why somebody wouldn't put. Kobe Bryant in their top 10? I can't figure it out. I, I, I have no no
3: understanding or reasoning as to why one person, same person who also put Derek Jeter in, in not the, the top baseball yeah. player list of all time and said he would have been the one vote along with I it should have been say two that. guys. I did not say that. That's not what I said. I said I would have voted for him. But He's not a top five shortstop of all time. That's okay. what I said. So, Rock, here here are 10 players that that could be, Hit me. We, can, we can argue or we can kind of debate this to the top 10 players of all time. So Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Kobe Bean Bryant, he's in the top 10, Shaquille O'Neal, and there's that Tim Duncan, uh, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, one of those, Hakeem Olajuwon, Jerry West. He's the logo. Yeah, that, that doesn't mean you're one of the top ten. I mean Carmelo is is, is top ten in scoring at all time. Would you would you No take no Jerry, Jerry
4: West is just a top
3: ten NBA player okay. all time. So, the same, same so that one. one of those tenth, one of those three or four guys could be number ten. But I, I think the first nine are are, are pretty set in stone. Mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal changed basketball because of his physicality. He was he, Larry and, and, and Magic saved the game. Bill and, and 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 Wilt were two legends. Giants. You got a hundred point game. You got eight championship. You got guys that that stand for 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 you know just just legendary in the game of basketball. Kobe Bean Bryant is 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 Kobe Bean Bryant, and the fact that Rock has him not even a top twenty five or fifteen. No, is, is I, I admit I was wrong. The lowest I can put Kobe Bryant is
4: thirteenth. The lowest LeBron, I can get him.
3: LeBron will go down as potentially the second greatest basketball player to ever play the game, <laughs> and Michael Jeffrey Jordan will go down as the greatest to ever play the game. So those nine, and then you have Steph Curry, who has changed the game, mm-hmm. Tim Duncan, who, I mean, five-time champion, the big fundamental, mm-hmm. just a, a guy that is steady Eddie and, and really changed the trajectory of, of an entire franchise when him and David Robinson right. got, got together uh, for their first championship. You got Hakeem Olajuwon, who is a defensive prowess and and MVP and two-time champion. And then you got Kevin Durant, who is an alien
2: playing basketball. Most people agree that over the course of the last half dozen years when he's been healthy, he's been the best player in the world. No question. So would you put him in your top 10?
3: Above? I I, I would. Steph, above? I I think it's hard for me with
2: KD because... Of the inconsistency of him being there. Yeah. Because I think availability is a huge part of this. I could agree with that.
3: Where, where do P- you stand, Rock? On the list, we're gonna just, for, for I put Shaq, kicks and I put
4: Shaq we're ahead put, ahead of, I put Shaq ahead of Kobe, I put Hakeem ahead of Kobe, but I do not think I've gotten to the point where I put either Durant or Curry. Ahead of Curry. Uh, uh, ahead of, I, ahead I, of I have him around 12 or 13, and I have Curry and Durant literally right behind him, at like 13, 14. And I think... If Steph is able to have maybe one or two more years where he where the Warriors are winners because of him, then I well, think that 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 would put him up. Because again, my argument around Kobe always goes back to the fact that is great to, as great as the 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 Lakers obviously always were. I think we've minimized how important, how much be- more important Shaq was to the first three championships. Oh, Shaq was extremely important. I know, but I think people have minimized it in the larger discussion of Kobe. How much more important Shaq was those first three? Which I think it was—he was the bus driver in those first three championships. If we want to use use that terminology, uh, was Kevin Durant ever a bus driver? He was not, and that's a that's a that's listen—that's a problem because as much as you want to hold it up against Stephen Curry, not having the finals. Uh, numbers to win MVPs in his wins, he was still the leader of the team. He is the captain the entire year and through those finals wins, and so that's why I still think that's why I think Curry. By the end of his career, he could supplant Kobe. And I, I was going to ask you guys. Obviously, the fact of, of the tragedy of Kobe Bryant will 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 change things. But fifty years from now, is Stephen Curry is Stephen Curry's impact on the NBA? bigger than Kobe Bryant's.
3: Um I think his impact on the NBA is going to be bigger than than pretty much uh, uh, uh J- Jordan would probably be the, the one only name old, only other one because he wow. he has he has changed the, he has made the game for people who are not High flyers who are not extremely overly athletic, who are not, you know, the guys that are the Greek freaks of the world. The Kevin Durant, 6'10", 6'11", can shoot it from anywhere. He has changed the game to say ball handling and shooting the ball can get you to this level and can sustain you a career in the NBA. And so, just because of that and and his range, I mean, you if you have, if you go to a youth game, you will see the impact of Steph Curry right now because it starts. When they're young, there aren't many people that, that can do what Michael Jordan did uh, when they were nine, 10 years old. Not any. Do what he did. But nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds are doing what Steph Curry is doing right now. And so his impact on the game will, will be. Will probably supersede a lot of people that have ever played. My problem with these
4: arguments, Carries, you throw out little things that I never said, and then people glom on to them. We got we got multiple texts being like, "Wow,
3: Rocket thinks Kobe isn't top twenty-five in NBA history." I mean, you said that you said that earlier. You said he might not. I was what wrong. You actually said I was, was wrong. I was being Baldwin. hyperbolic. He actually said he might not be top twenty-five. Maybe top fifty. He did say that. But top yeah.
4: I was wrong! I was wrong! I said it was stupid. It was hyperbolic. I was wrong.
3: I, I, I got my ranking. I'm solidly at 12 or 13. I'm not moving from there. Still, oh, I'll, I'll top argue the top 10. 10 all day. And so in your top 10 is which name that we left out? I
4: put Jerry West and okay. I put either Hakeem or Shaq right there at Ten or eleven, depending on how you want to fly. I, I think. I think Shaq's. One, honest. Honestly, I think. I think Shaq's impact on the NBA is honestly underrated. I think people talk about Shaq, and they forget that. Like, and they forget that he was the first seven footer who was taking a rebound. You know, coast to coast and finishing with a dunk like Giannis does five or six yeah, times yeah. a game. Shaq was the first guy doing that for. You know, it, it, uh, aside from like Wilt and those guys early in the '60s, he was the first guy doing that when the NBA was the new NBA post. A bird and, and magic. The thing so is, I don't think people talk yeah. about that impact on Shaq.
2: Kids can't do what Shaq did. Yes, that's correct. They can be a 10 year old and try to do what Steph does. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah. You realize that almost 20% of all seven footers in the world play in the NBA. Really? Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that amazing?
3: You're, 17, it's like seven, you're 17%. You're, you're, chances are you're going to be in the NBA. Yeah. Wow.
2: So you, can and go, if you it goes
4: are, from 0.1% to 20% yeah. Yeah. if you're seven Just, feet tall. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> good.
2: Pretty good. Uh, that is Matthew and Carrie. That is rock and roll. Coming up, we're going to head towards a balloon party with What's on Tap here on 101 ESPN. You're back
0: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs
1: Tire and Auto
2: Centers. It'll be a busy weekend here on 101 ESPN tomorrow. 11.30 pregame, St. Louis and Jason Tatum and, or no, it's the Bucks. It's Giannis and the Bucks taking on the Heat. I was thinking it was the Celtics for some reason. Heat and Bucks tomorrow afternoon here on 101 ESPN. And then the Blues take on the Big Rig and the Tampa Bay Lightning pregame at 6, action at 7, and then the Sunday NFL triple header, Bills and Dolphins. The first game, pregame at 11.30, followed by the Vikings and the Giants, and then the Bengals and the Ravens. And Kerry, you and I both agree that the two most interesting games of the weekend are tomorrow's game, Seattle At San Francisco at three thirty, and then the Chargers at Jacksonville. That game will be uh, at seven fifteen. The Bucks
3: um, Cowboys game Monday night. Monday night. That's going to be an interesting game as well. I, I I mean, I'm glad they got it on Monday night. It's probably going to be the the best game of the weekend figuring out if this Dallas Cowboys team is uh, is real or fake a- and going into a team in Tampa. Yeah, that's, on,
2: that's on the Ridge show. That's a different segment.
3: <laughs> oh That is a different segment. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
0: we, a- we do
3: stutter dud on this <laughs> on on yeah, show. They, we're they do real or fake. I, I, need, I might need to go in there and assist them in one of those segments just one time. Let's see if they need a little help with uh, real, real or fake. Uh, but the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> going into Tampa is going to be an Interesting game for for, you know, to see if if they are able to win that game and, and go forward uh in the manner in which everyone has thought that the Cowboys were a really good team and they've shown a little bit of, of trouble the last couple of weeks
2: and, and throughout the entire season. Nobody disputes the talent that the Cowboys have amassed. Mm-hmm. They're a really, really talented team. The things that could make them fake are their quarterback and their coaching staff, right? right? Everything else, people don't realize around casual fans— that Ezekiel Elliott scored a touchdown in nine straight games. He play, he's played a very he's played very well. And
3: it, the interesting he, he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Tony yeah. Pollard did. He, yeah. He's and the starting player. running back. Two great and running backs. They they have a one two punch that uh, that allows them to be really effective offensively if they lean on that. And you know I said this earlier when Cooper Cup was Cooper Rush was quarterbacking the Dallas Cowboys when Dak was down. I said if they stick with this game plan, this is a recipe for them to be extremely successful. Run the ball with your two guys. And play action pass, find your tight end, find CeeDee Lamb downfield, but don't lean on your quarterback to win you games. And I, I, I felt that that was going to be the, the, the best recipe for them. When Dak came back, they, they, they lean on him a lot more than they did, obviously, Cooper Rush. So you're going to run into some issues when, you are, when you're trying to
2: let Dak throw it as many times as he has. And Kerry, I believe. Regardless of the outcome on Monday night, even if the Cowboys lose and get knocked out of the playoffs, I think Mike McCarthy is their coach on opening day next year.
3: If they lose against Tampa Bay, I don't think so. I don't. I don't know that that's true. I think that there are too many other options and too many other people that, um, you know, you've seen some 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 issues, especially playoff time. You saw the issue last year when they played the Forty ers with the clock management and mm-hmm. and some clock management issues uh, throughout the season last year. I think he's corrected those, but. Jerry wants to win and he wants to win championships and this team had you know a clear path to to try to win the division missed a few games here and there where they didn't take care of their business and now they're going to Tampa Uh, It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out if they do lose and if they get beat up on by a Tampa team that I don't think is really good
2: the only scenario in which I see them getting rid of Mike McCarthy is if Jarrah is in complete love with Dan Quinn, and there's a threat mm. that Quinn is going to leave to take a head coaching job. And then, kind of like what happened actually with Jason Garrett and Wade Phillips, yeah. that when somebody wants to take away Quinn, he says, no, I'll just make him my head coach. That would, <laughs> And then Callum Moore is the offensive coordinator already. It, it wouldn't be surprising at all if
3: that took place. But I, I think they would be going in the direction of, a one, Sean Payton. That that would be – Jerry wants a name. Now he's going to have to put a little bit of his pride to the side, which – so a huge ego, See, a huge but pride. Th- think
2: about this. Sure, he's hired Parcells, and mm-hmm. he's hired Jimmy Johnson, but he's hired Dave Campo and yeah. Jan Gailey. Yeah. And, you know, he's, uh, he brings in desperate guys. So, for so maybe for
3: every big-name coach he hires, big-ego coach he hires, mm-hmm. he has to hire a couple of guys that are
2: a little less than to get himself back sorted. The big key <laughs> is he, he doesn't want an ego guy that's going to come in and ask for power because yeah. he doesn't want to give up any of that no, power. No, not at all. Are you going to be watching the Blues game tomorrow night and saying, watching Pat Maroon and saying, "That's what we need"? <laughs> is that what you are going to be doing? <laughs> Probably. That's a big fella. He's,
3: and he skates and he moves pretty well. And
2: he's not afraid of contact. <sighs> yeah. So, and hopefully the Blues can get back on the winning track tomorrow. Big part of that eleven game winning streak in February of two thousand nineteen was a game in Tampa that they won yeah. one to nothing and kind of proved to everybody, okay, yeah, we we can play with everybody here. They can. They are a
3: team that is is. I think they're trending in the correct direction, um, and you know if they can continue to win games, and and they're going to have to find some people that want to be a little bit more physical, though, because I think that's the one thing that this team is lacking right now. And finally, we have
2: about thirty seconds left, uh, Matthew. How did the week of practice go for St. Louis City SC?
4: First few days in training, uh, training camp went well.
2: Good. You Good got,
4: got, got new players out there. Indiana Vasilev was one of their expansions. Indiana. His name, first name's Indiana. He I like was him born already. in Savannah, Georgia, oh. to oh. Bulgarian parents. He's actually played United States men's national team youth, but I think he's actually I think he's going to start representing his father's country of Bulgaria because okay. there's a lot there's a <laughs> glut in the United States, <laughs> <laughs> States men's national. But Indiana Vasilev, <laughs> <laughs> he was an expansion draft pick. They finally got him signed, and he was out on the pitch. <laughs> Boy, that's all I got so far. The, the, the,
3: the jerseys look great.
2: Are they kits? Oh, son of a... Come on. <laughs> come on. We know soccer. Come on, Matthew. Catch up to us. We're soccer lovers here. I thought I thought, I thought, thought
4: my vast love point was, was was strong. I got a guy with a first name named Indiana, born
2: in Georgia. What else do you want from me? <laughs> Pretty awesome. Hey, uh, have a good weekend. Great job. Thank you. Pleasure. That is uh, Matthew Rocchio. CD, you have a great weekend. I. There we go. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Balloon party with T Mac and Ajax coming up. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till Monday, Monday morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast
0: on 101 ESPN at ESPN.com. Presented by
1: Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.